Hello everybody and welcome to All In Behind the Episode. My name is Mario and Donkey Kong, Eric's on the move. And I am Seth Fantasy Reverie Series. The story of All In Episode 98 is a tale as old as time. A hopeful up-and-comer with stars in its eyes. Episode 98 had it all. There was an explosive entrance onto the scene for the episode that sought instantly grapple with insane headlines, announcements, and reveals in this week's news roundup. And it wasn't long until episode 98 found itself immersed in the cutthroat world of music. Working its way through All In Music Fest 2022, where nothing is sacred and everything is for sale. Fictional bands from all avenues of Nintendo history competing for placement in this week's top five stage. It didn't know how it would survive the ultimate battle of the bands. And so it turned to debauchery and gluttony. When episode 98 crossed paths with a rotund rabbit named Chubbit, their connection turned quickly into addiction. The challenging, unique gameplay of Daku's entire rotund series became hypnotic and endless especially as it was a match made in heaven for a Kirby Month Indie Showcase. But playing Rotun Zero in particular made Episode 98 remember where it came from. It found the comfort it needed in the past. And with the help of Sean Capri from Carpool Gaming, it took a look back at 33 glorious years of the Nintendo Game Boy. Nostalgia. Joyful memories. It turned out these were exactly what episode 98 needed to recover. And so this story ends the way it began, with a hopeful eye towards the future. And actually, Eric, I guess it's beginning again because it's time to go all in. That's right, everybody. Another week, another episode of All In and Nintendo Podcast, the weekly Nintendo variety show where each and every Saturday, no shells left unturned and no point is left unearned. You know, it's it's fun doing this kind of like behind the music intro for this episode. One thing I actually I wrote the I wrote the intro for this and I watched an episode of Behind the Music and I realized that. Basically, all of these use the word debauchery at some point or another. <laughs> debauchery comes in at some point in all of these. You you can almost set your watch to it. You're just waiting on the debauchery drop. So, of course, uh, we had to have one in ours. <laughs> I, know, I know we're a Nintendo podcast, though, and I just I I really hope we were like, what's debauchery, mom? What's debauchery, mom? Kids, don't Google that one. Don't Google that one. Leave it, you know, take it from us. But, uh, you know. Slowly starting to become a terrible influence. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say a good influence on us anyway, on the life of our podcast, is new five-star reviews. Or I say new five-star reviews. I got to come clean, guys. I got to come clean right here, right now, at the top of this episode. I've got to apologize profusely to our good friend Chris HL94. <laughs> because he was as, like, as, what's up, bro? <laughs> yeah, I left a review like months ago and it never got shouted out. Okay, so here's what happened. <laughs> here's what happened. Hear me out. Um, we learned 
if you remember, like, what, a few weeks ago, we learned that for whatever reason, Apple divides up their reviews by country. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the only way you can check is if you, like, manually go from each country code. So, Chris left us a review on Canadian iTunes, and I never saw it because I didn't even know that Canadian iTunes was a thing. So, I just, I had the wild hair. I'm like, let me actually go through and look Seth at Seth doesn't every... believe in Canada. <laughs> I, I, look, I completely believe in Canada. I know and love many Canadians. I'm going to be talking to a Canadian later on in the episode, for crying yeah, out loud. It's, it's true. It's um, true. So... I, you know, so, so I had this wild hair. I'm like, let me actually go through this huge list of country codes and see who's left us five star reviews. And, and what do I see? But a review from Chris smart guy, Logal, which is his handle on Canadian iTunes. And, uh, he leaves us a five star review saying great podcast. Eric and Seth are really entertaining and have great chemistry. So, uh, thanks so much for that review, Chris. I, I, you know, better late than never. I do apologize for missing your review when it was left, but, uh, <laughs> look, I, I give, I give Apple and their weird way of laying this stuff out. Most of the blame here. I, I love I, how you uh, said podcast right there in his review. Like you were from Boston or something like it was spelled P A H D podcast podcast. Yeah. <laughs> every now and then it, it's every now and then the Chicago accent slips out, especially when I'm there, when I'm there talking to family, it's Chicago, you know, and stuff like yeah. that, Chicago. So you just went, <laughs> went in Rome, I guess, you know, but, um, so yeah, great five-star review guys. Uh, we always appreciate that. You can leave us a five-star review just like Chris did and get shouted out here on the show. I promise I'll see it this time and, uh, and I'll actually shout you out, um, at the beginning of the episode. You can do that over on iTunes, on Podchaser, on Audible for written reviews, and you can drop us a five-star rating on Spotify. And that is like the number one way you can support this show with word of mouth and just letting people know that you like what you hear. So we super, super, super appreciate it. Um, I guess the only other piece of housekeeping I have is a little bit of personal news. Um, Mm -hmm. we teased this last week and I did an announcement stream on Thursday, but I guess I should just go ahead and just formally announce it here at the beginning of the episode that as of this Thursday, um, this past Thursday, anyway, um, I am now a full-time content creator. Um, I quit my job. I quit my day job. And I am now completely 100% focused on all in. I have gone all in, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> um, this I'm not going to get into the the full details I get into on the Twitch VOD. We'd be here all day if I, you know, if I sat here and got into every element of it. But the the TLDR version is um, this has been the goal for a long time. My my wife and I. Shout out to my wife. I mean, none of this would be possible without her. Uh, her support, not only just you know financial support and like kind of figuring this out with me and, and pushing me towards this scary step in, in my life and kind of being like, look, man, like you're not getting any younger. You, you need to give this a real shot. You know, you need to actually give this a real shot. And it's always been in the back of my mind. Like I have all these ideas and things that, I mean, even you and I talk all the time about things we want to do for all in, but we just don't have the time. And so now it's like, finally I can afford to, uh, we're at a place financially. We're at a place in our lives where it's like, I can afford to actually just make this thing as big as I can and create as much content for all in and put my, put all of myself into it. Um, and again, full details I get into on the Twitch VOD over on twitch.tv slash all in podcast. You're going to be seeing a lot more video content. You're going to be seeing, um, 
a lot of stuff in the future, especially as we gear up towards episode 100. Um, and you're going to be seeing um, Twitch streams for me uh, six days a week and a um, lot more of my face to come for better or for worse. <laughs> so I am all in now, officially all in. So onward and upward. I, I hope I can join you that very, very soon. I hope so too. I hope so too. I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed to be able to do this. And again, it's, it's really all thanks to my wife and uh, just her, her support and her push to, to put me in this direction. So, and I thank you guys for consuming the content that we make for, for being supportive and for giving me an audience to make this stuff for. And um, it's, you know, it's a huge reason why it's like, you know what? I, I think we have something here like that. We have something here that is special and, I can finally answer the question of what would I do with this thing if I had more time, you know? So I, I can now finally answer that question. So, yeah, we just continue to try to make this thing bigger, continuing to, I mean, the goal is to make all in eventually self-sustainable. So if you like what we're yeah. doing, I mean, we always ask for reviews, but you know, share the podcast, retweet. you know, get, try to help us get the, the name and the show out there amongst others in the video game in the Nintendo community. Uh, everything you guys have done up to this point has been duly documented and we are incredibly grateful for all the amazing community members that we have and all the support that we've got uh, garnered over the past 98 episodes. Now, mm -hmm. just please continue. If you like the show, just continue to share retweet, continue to, to help us out. We appreciate it so, so much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, with all of that out of the way, though, Eric, uh, what's been going on this week? So about that. <laughs> so about that. Um, <laughs> so this past Christmas, uh, this past holiday season, my sister actually got me tickets to Journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Journey, uh, Toto open form, but this past Thursday was the, finally was the concert. And I promised my cousin, I would take her and we went into Orlando and we saw journey and Toto live in concert. And I mean, it's journey. Yeah. I mean, like they're so legendary. They're so ubiquitous now that some of their songs have become overplayed. Sure. But honestly, songs like, I mean, ever, obviously everybody immediately goes to Don't Stop Believing, but songs like Wheel in the Sky and Faithfully and Who's Crying Now and right. uh, Separate Ways. I mean, these are songs that are basically just etched into rock and roll history at this point. So, yes, you may have heard them a thousand times before, but actually seeing them played live by the people who made the music. Obviously, Steve Perry isn't a part of the band anymore, but they have, a, this may be a hot take, but Arnell... Pineda, their new lead singer, is a better vocalist than Steve Perry. I'm just saying that. Wow. I'm wow. Just saying Shots that. fired. Just saying that. Neil Sean obviously is fantastic on guitar, but Toto, like, I'm talking about Journey, but Toto killed it. Jeez. Like, Plus the rains, even. Exactly. You know, everybody <laughs> thinks about Africa, of course. That's the first song that everybody thinks about. When you when you talk about Toto, but they've had they had their fair share of hits back in the day too, and I gotta hand it to them, man. They killed it. They did a rendition of with a little with the of the Beatles with a little help from my friends that would have made the Holy Ghost catch the spirit. I mean, jeez, <laughs> nice. 
it was it was a really really good show it was a really really good show i was so blessed to be able to go check it out uh i uh, i've i've got a couple a couple pictures and a couple videos i think i'll post a video or something on on my personal twitter just so you guys can have an idea of what was going on that night but it was i, I haven't done something like that in a long time i've been so head down with what little time i have i've been so head down on working on the show and everything else that it's it's been a long time since i've done something like that so it was it was a great great experience uh, this past thursday i had an absolute blast thank you again sis for those tickets um <laughs> But yeah, of course, that's not the only thing that I was up to this week. I did finally get the chance to check out 2D and Top D, that indie game that we talked about last week. That's oh, cool. the perspective shifting puzzle platformer where you have a 2D platforming character and then you can shift perspective and you have the, the 2D uh, perspective kind of becomes a floor to walk around and affect things in... Uh, the 3D environment with. It's a really cool concept and I am having a lot of fun with it. It actually kind of reminds me of stuff like Mighty Switch Force from Way Forward and a couple other uh, DS and 3DS Wear games that really kind of has that feel to it. Okay. And objectively, it's really cool and well-designed, but there's subjectively, there's just something like there's just a little bit of a spark that's missing. Huh. Like okay. as as objectively interesting as the game is, I'm playing it and I just kind of feel like I'm checking a box. But you don't you don't know what why that is? Yeah, it's 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 elusive. It there's just something about it. I don't know if something it's something intangible. Yeah, the presentation, I don't know if there's just I, I don't think the the character designs are really that striking. I guess that I guess the characters don't really have a personality. I don't know. There's just a couple small things. There's something intangible, something I can't quite put my finger on that the game just doesn't have that spark to it for me. Like I said, objectively, it's a good game. The The soundtrack is okay, but the concept is really cool and they do a lot of really interesting things with it. So there's a big part of me that, that encourages that people check it out. But again, ultimately it's, it's, it's hard to nail down, but that's the best way I can put it is it just feels like there's a spark missing from the game. Huh? Well, I'll be, I mean, I'll be curious to see if that changes for you as you spend more time with it. Well, I've almost beaten it. It's not necessarily a very long title. There's only oh, wow. four worlds. Uh, and until you get to the later worlds, the pace of the game is actually very quick because most of what you need to do for the first couple of worlds is fairly obvious. It's just, you know, doing it really uh but i will admit some of the some of the later stages do become kind of brain teasery brain twisty so okay. again there's a lot of objective good things there just the spark huh that's interesting it's not it's not often i mean usually you can kind of like normally it's tangible normally it's like oh like this is the thing i don't like about this game it's so it's interesting there's just something just something about the feel or the presentation or whatever it is that's kind of turn you off to it yeah there's a couple small things that i could point to but ultimately i don't know i i don't know it's just it's hard to quantify right now yeah but that wasn't the only game that i played this past week continuing to uh we did a review of lego star wars this past week 
in episode 97. Go ahead and check that out. But there are still a couple things for me to clean up in Lego Star Wars, a couple Kyber bricks and a couple characters that I have left to clean up in that game. So I've been doing a lot of that this past week as well. And of course, of course, the lovely folks over at Daku mm-hmm. decided to uh, d- d- basically g- gave us access to their entire trilogy of Rotund games late last week. So I have been pouring my time into those. And spoiler alert, because we're doing an indie showcase on them, they got me. <laughs> they got gotcha. you. They got me. But outside of that, I'll just throw in my obligatory Moon Knight reference here. Uh, episode four was this past week. Hashtag yay. <laughs> There's only two episodes left. I'm really excited to see what they have to offer. Uh, I the the past couple runs of Moon Knight from the comics, from like going back to 2014, they've done some really crazy stuff with the character, and a lot of it is being directly referenced in the show. And I'm all here for it. So. It's Moon Knight is definitely a very unique character within Marvel's canon, but the the show is is really good. Yeah, I'm I'm glad it exists for you know for the hardcore fans like you, and and it can kind of like somewhat appeal to the the casual Disney Plus watcher, you know, and somebody I'm kind of somewhere in between those two. So um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Like I said, I I got to catch up. I got so much Disney Plus stuff to catch up on. And I'm I'm never gonna catch up. <laughs> Uh, for me, I so same as you, I'm still kind of chipping away at Lego Star Wars, which I feel like I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> it feels until, like it, doesn't it? So, there's, there's so, so much to do. much to do in that game. It's ridiculous. There's so much to do in the game. So I'm, I'm kind of still chipping away at that, too, um, kind of as I get time. But the big one that I really want to shout out is uh, The Last Friend. Um, I kind of hinted at this last week. Yeah, there there is a puppy. There is there is many puppies, many good boys um, in The Last Friend. So this was graciously provided to us um, by publisher Skystone Games. Big shout out and thanks to them. I actually did a kind of first look video mm-hmm. um, on our YouTube channel, which I'm, I'm actually really proud of the way that turned out. And the, the developers watched it and they really enjoyed it too. And so... Um, I, I encourage you guys to check that video out on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash all in podcast to get a really good feel for the game. Um, but even beyond that, like there's a demo for the game available at the time of this recording, there's a huge launch window discount, like 50% off the game's like $7 and 49 cents right now, which is crazy. Um, and I gotta be honest, I'm really impressed with this little game. Like I didn't know much about it going in, but Playing it, it's a really cool concept. It's basically a tower defense slash brawler where you have these these puppies that you're rescuing in this sort of like post-apocalyptic Mad Max world. And every time you rescue a puppy, you can add them to your team and they all do different things. So you've got your kind of main puppy who's this little chihuahua named T1 and... He has like a turret that he operates and you can lay out these turrets on, on the different lanes of this sort of tower defense sort of thing. But then you, you know, eventually you get uh, healing units, you get uh, shield units, you get like this, this firefighter dog that splashes water that slows enemies as they approach. And then 
in between all of this, you're playing as this kind of like totally rad, you know, survivor dude named Alpha. And <laughs> while while you're doing tower defense and laying down these like puppy units on the lanes, um, Alpha can then engage with the enemies in hand-to-hand melee combat like a brawler. So it's a really cool fusion of those two genres, and it's got this really nice art style. It's It's got, like, some fun writing to it. I'm really impressed by it. A ton of dogs, a lot of gameplay variety, like, upgrade trees and systems behind it, and I, I'm just really impressed. I, I made this comparison even in the video. I feel like The Last Friend is going to be this year's Dodgeball Academia for me. Like... The way that Dodgeball Academia kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people, but I really loved it, I feel like that's going to be what happens with The Last Friend. So I'm telling you guys about this now so that you can get in on the ground floor. Again, there's a demo. You don't have to take my word for it. You can download the demo and play it yourself. And if you like it, it's on a huge discount right now for the launch. So I love it. But ultimately, there's a lot of good boys, and that that automatically gets it a few extra points in our eyes, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, not only that, you have a <laughs> camp you can go back to. And when you go to camp, all of the good boys that you've collected thus far are there. And you can go up and pet them all. It's so good. It's, you can, put, you it's can pet good. the dog. 10 out of 10. You can pet the dog. You can pet all of the dogs. And there are dozens in the game. So, yeah, it's good. <laughs> so I uh, highly recommend checking out The Last Friend from uh, Skystone Games. Again, thank you guys so much for providing us access to that. It's uh, It's been a real treat, no pun intended, a real dog treat to uh, to check that out. <laughs> but um, man, it actually ended up being a crazy news week. I don't think either of us expected this news week to turn out the way it did, but there is a lot to get into. So what do you say we get into it? There's a lot. None of it's Kirby related. Man, come on now. What? What? <laughs> but yeah, there turned out to be, it's turned out to be a deceptively dense news week. So let's talk about it. <laughs> hey, listen. All right, Seth, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, the podcast might be in danger. Uh, it's, it's it's become critical. I just don't know if we're going to have enough stuff to talk about and discuss this coming summer game drought. There's just nothing coming out. There's going to be no reason for us to even have all in a Nintendo podcast. We just can't find. No, of course, I'm being a complete idiot, ladies and gentlemen. Everything <laughs> is coming out this summer. What is going on? I was going to say July in particular, right? I mean, July is like this condensed little morsel of video games i it's it's ridiculous just the the number of games that came out and just raised their hand and be like nope i'm coming out in summer now too it's just absolutely ridiculous but probably nothing more crazy than what xenoblade chronicles 3 did this past week because we already had a we already had a tentative release date for xenoblade chronicles 3 but while many other games are getting delays, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 said, no, you know what? We're going to bump our release date up six weeks. A full month and a half early, we're coming out now. That's my yeah. mind exploding. <laughs> yeah. We, we initially had that tentative September date, and the date is now July 29th. I mean, 
This never happens, especially not with Nintendo. I mean, we hardly ever see a release date get moved up significantly like this. It's not it's it's not something that we've never seen before, but a high profile game like this being bumped up a full month and a half. I mean, that's <laughs> we've had less time knowing that a game existed before it released on a Nintendo system over the past couple of years. We've had less time of a window in that than yeah. this has moved up its release date. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the last time this really happened was, I think Mario 3D World did this, where they moved the release date up and delayed Donkey Kong, I think, or Tropical Freeze, if I'm not mistaken. But th- I mean, this is not the kind of thing that happens every day. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. And that just makes me more hype obviously we've talked about xenoblade chronicles 2 quite a bit here on the show as far as seth and i are concerned it's one of the best jrpgs ever made it's an absolute Mm -hmm. masterpiece and i mean we have torna on the switch we've got xenoblade chronicles definitive edition on the nintendo switch and in just a couple months we'll be getting xenoblade chronicles 3 nintendo's already been showing uh showing off a lot of their like the fusion stuff going on in the game, how a lot of the characters are able to combine into, you know, more powerful beings. It looks like something, it almost looks like something like Dragon Ball Z's fusion dance mixed with JoJo's (laughs) stands or like the personas from Persona. So I'm, I'm interested to check it out. I'm really, really interested in checking it out because again, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was a fairly good game. Here's here's the thing though. Like we we've got so many games coming out in July. I mean, we're going to talk about another one with the July date here in a second. We have a lot of release date news in the news uh, roundup this week, but like I mean, this thing is coming out like I I really want to play Live Alive. Like I really do. And Live Alive is coming out the week before this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "What are you doing to me? These two big RPGs back to back. I want to play them both." You know? Yeah. Yeah, so it turns out the summer gaming drought is just something that happens to other years because here in 2022, we have actually too much. Actually too much. And, you know, it's it's funny too because y- you bring up that summer moniker, right? And summer is the vague date that we've always had for Splatoon 3, um, basically since the beginning. Uh, summer was always just kind of the date that it had, right? Has never had a firm release date until Friday morning. On Friday morning, and again, this is just days after Xenoblade 3 gets moved up in the release schedule, Splatoon 3 gets a release date of September 9th. And not only that, the Octo expansion, the excellent Octo expansion for Splatoon 2, got added to the NSO expansion pack. Just a one-two punch of Splatoon news. Just another massive addition to the NSO expansion pack. Obviously, you've already got the uh, Animal Crossing Island Home Adventures. I get, is that what it's called? Island Home? Happy Home Paradise, Happy I think. Happy Home yeah. Paradise, yeah. And then, of yep. course, you have the Mario Kart Booster Pass. And yep. now you've got, you know, arguably the other largest piece of Nintendo first party Nintendo DLC from the system that they've also added now to the expansion pack. So give it a year, the fighters pass one and two will probably wind up on the expansion pack as well. Very interesting to see them going back in time and adding something from several years ago 
to this expansion pack. I do wonder if that was always the plan or if this is potentially indicative of uh, maybe low initial sales for the expansion pack. Well, that that's you're probably right. I think it's probably both. Um, I think it's probably more, you know, more value, more incentive for the expansion pack. I mean, let's be real. Like, who's going on here in 2022 and buying the Octo expansion? Nobody, right? But the people who haven't played it, who already have expansion pack, now have a way to play it, which we even saw people in the community were like, oh, great, like, I never got around to playing this. Now I can download it and play it. Awesome. And that gets you geared up for Splatoon 3, obviously. And then in addition to that, it's just added value for people who aren't already in. For Splatoon fans who don't have expansion pack, that's just more value for them. Now they have a little bit of incentive. I mean, that's I want to say Octo Expansion is like $24.99 on its own or something like that. That sounds about right. So. And I would like to see the number of sales for Splatoon 2 over the next couple of weeks because, you know, on the flip side, you're going to have a lot of people who have the expansion pack but hadn't played Splatoon 2. So I'm going to wonder now, is like, hey, well, I've got, you know, $25, $30 worth of content for this game. Why don't I just go out and get it myself and see what it's all about? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think it's smart and I think we're going to see, I mean, you're probably exactly right with the smash call because, um, honestly, Nintendo doesn't do paid DLC all that often. Um, I think they'll start doing it more now, now that they can just loop it into expansion pack. I think we'll start seeing them do that more. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, like you said, give it a year. Sure. Why not throw fighters pass on there? I mean, that, that'll sell expansion packs, 1,000%. But I do like Splatoon 3 coming out and saying that we are basically going to cap off the summer. They had always they, they had always committed to a summer release date, but here they're like, you know what? We're just going to put a cherry on the top of an already stacked summer. We're going to be the final release going into fall. I do think that's a good move. For Splatoon, I think that's a good launch window for Splatoon 3 coming out September 9th. The only problem I think they're going to have with that release date is, and, and you know, there's been so much dialogue I'm seeing online like, oh, Splatoon clearly got delayed and they had development trouble and so they swapped Xenoblade and Splatoon in the release schedules. Like, is that probably what happened? Sure. But who cares? Like, we're never going to, we're never going to know that. The facts are they're still making their summer date that they promised. So it's not a delay. You know, it may be an internal delay. But, like, who cares? Like, just enjoy the video game. Um, well, if you're excited for both games, you'll probably have just enough time to right. to maybe beat Xenoblade Chronicles 3 by the time Splatoon 3 comes out. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. Like, just barely over a month. But I, I, think, I think that the problem they're going to have, though, with the September date is that's right around the time kids are going back to school. And in America, anyway, I, for the Japanese audience, I, I don't know what the, the school year looks like for them, but um, the American audience, I think, you know, this this series appealing to kids and stuff, I think they're going to bump into a little bit of issue with that. But uh, but I mean, Splatoon's going to sell what it's going to sell regardless of when it releases. So I, I think it's a really good way to cap off the summer, too. I do, too. I do, too. This is going to be an absolutely stacked next few months and I'm here for it. I don't know if my wallet is, I don't know if my free time is, <laughs> but I'm here for it. Yeah. And speaking of the, uh, the stacked July dates. Yes. Eric, yes. 
For those who don't know, I'm actually a really big fan of Digimon. I own the entire series. I've been a fan of Digimon back before the cartoon series, back when it was just like the cooler, quote unquote, boy version of the Tamagotchi keychains back in the 90s. For those who don't know, Digimon started out as kind of the anti Gigapet, the anti Tamagotchi, where you could, you know, similarly to those things, you could, you know, you had this little LED keychain and you could. Uh, feed and raise this little pixelated monster and actually have it battle other monsters, other people who had Digimon keychains, but that it turned into this huge animated empire. And I've, I've been a fan of Digimon since day one. I love the cartoon show and I'm actually really stoked for Digimon survive coming out inexplicably July 29th, which if that sounds familiar, it's because we literally just also announced that as the release date for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So, nobody talked to me in August. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're going to be busy if you're a Digimon fan. Digimon Survive, and, and the real reason I wanted to bring this up too is not only because you're a massive Digimon fan, but... Because this game has had a really labored development. I mean, yeah. it was initially scheduled to come out in 2019. Yeah, it's it's very similar to Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. It's It's been yep. on the shelf for quite some time, but it's finally coming out this July. And I, I want to get around to it. I really do. I'm really afraid I'm not going to be able to. But for all of those other hardcore Digimon fans out there that are that are going to be able to play this. I hope it is everything that we've been waiting for. I, I do very much intend to try to find some way to play it, but God, this, this summer, man, this summer, I mean, just, just so in case anybody's not tracking, we have, we got a little bit of a dry spell, but between now and like may, but once we get into June, we're going to have Mario strikers battle league on June 10th. I mean, we, we have Nintendo switch sports next week and that's obviously big, but yeah. like, the next one after that really is Mario Strikers Battle League on the 10th of June. Then you have two weeks later, Fire Emblem, um, the Fire Emblem Warriors, mm -hmm. Three Hopes. Uh, and then just, you know, then you enter July, which has got Live Alive and Xenoblade and Digimon Survive. You know, there's so much stuff coming out. And actually, backpedal to June. Mm -hmm. That's when Sonic Origins is coming out. We got that news this week. Yeah, so it turns out that Sonic Origins is not just going to be yet another classic Sonic Games collection. It turns out that they are getting mania-ified, basically. It turns out that Head yeah. Cannon Studios, the people behind Sonic Mania, have been working to remaster and update the classic Sonic games. Sonic 1, 2, Sonic 3 and & Knuckles, and Sonic CD are all getting enhanced versions for this Sonic Origins collection, it's not just going to be, a, again, another one of the standardized classic Sonic games collections that we have seen over and over and over and checks notes over again. Yeah. Uh, I am incredibly excited for these. Each game is going to be getting uh, opening and ending cinematics. Each game is getting widescreen support, which alone is going to is going to make the games feel so much better because Sonic Speed has always you've always needed widescreen for Sonic games just because of right. how fast that little blue hedgehog is moving. But all the extra little touches that they're adding, I am so incredibly excited 
for Sonic Origins coming out June 23rd. It might be the first time that I've actually gone back and beaten those original games in quite some time. The only caveat to my excitement with that is the bizarre different versions of the game. Isn't that so weird? I don't know what they were thinking with that. Yeah, there's several different digital versions of the game. There's a couple rumblings going on about a potential physical version in the future, but the way they're selling the digital version is there are versions of the game that actually exclude character animations and some of the music. And it's just, you know, the music is whatever. We've we've seen that before in the past, but a version of the game that excludes character animations, that's just bizarre to me. I mean, yeah, some of these kind of make sense. You know, Mirror Mode, which they say is unlockable in-game. Hard Missions, the letterbox background. Like, there's, like, mechanical stuff that they're locking behind a, quote, digital deluxe edition that just seems like it should be part of the game. Like, music and animations are just kind of, like, basic stuff. It's like, like, I, I don't understand what they're what they're driving at here and they they put out this like weird graph just like which immediately got parodied by everybody yeah. including devolver digital devolver which was Digitals awesome. was great that was so funny devolver digital did an absolutely fantastic uh parody of that sonic origins digital versions graph that's so great uh but it's just it, the base game is forty dollars the digital deluxe version is five bucks more just make the base game 45 dollars, and let's just stop with this nonsense i'm excited just let me be excited for the game because like don't muddy the water with these weird bizarre different physical or different digital versions of the game i'm incredibly stoked to play this but this is yeah this is it's the weird experimental business practice from sega that uh, i think unfortunately muddied the hype a little bit around this yeah just just a weird decision. I, I don't know what, what's going on with that. But yeah, June 23rd, still excited to play the game. June 23rd, by the way, is Sonic's 31st birthday. So great way to celebrate Sonic's birthday with some Sonic Origins. I can't wait. I can't wait either. I mean, I'm going to get the digital deluxe version. I'm going to pay the extra five bucks. Again, this is Headcanon yeah. Studios that we're talking about. Christian Whitehead, you can have all my money. If you're, if you're working on a Sonic game, you can have all my money, sir. Yeah, and speaking of Sonic, we yes. actually this is this is pretty cool. We got a random. I think you actually called this. I didn't said you? this last week when we were talking about Mario Golf dropping on the N sixty four NSO. I was talking specifically about how we were just constantly, practically weekly, getting brand new games on the NSO apps. About how much of a better value it seems to be almost every other day. I specifically said, go back to episode 97, quote me. I specifically said, watch, we'll get more Genesis games next week. Your profit has arrived. (laughs) Sure enough, Thursday night, we got that Genesis drop. And I got to be honest, this is one of the better uh, NSO drops I think we've seen, especially for the Genesis app specifically, because we ended up getting Space Harrier 2. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Shining Force 2 mm-hmm. and Sonic Spinball. So- by the way, Sonic <laughs> the Spinball fans. Oh, I love Sp- like I I didn't realize that so many people don't like Sonic Spinball. Oh, I'm here heresy. for Sonic Spinball. 
I love that game. It's so I fun. I popped in there and played it. I was like, this is, I don't understand why people don't like this. This is like such a weird, fun little pinball game. Like, oh, Sonic Spinball fans pop off, man. I, I love that game. It's really good. <laughs> well, I'm a pinball fan anyway. I've mentioned this a couple times before on the show, but especially like unique pinball games, games that aren't just a pinball table. Right. But like a pinball adventure style game and putting Sonic into a pinball game just made all the sense in the world, even more sense than it made for Kirby pinball and Kirby pinball is also really good. But yeah, the, the physics might be a little janky. Sure. But it's still a ton of fun. It's still an absolute blast. It, It can be a little difficult to know what you're supposed to do. But just give it a little bit of time. Just play Sonic Spinball. It's a good game, folks. It's a good game. I won't hear anything to the contrary. It's just a fun, it's just a dumb, fun, wacky little Sonic game. I really like it. Um, so, but anyway, that's to take nothing away from Shining Force. Um, Shining Force 2, which is kind of like the Shining Force series, I think a lot of people cite as kind of the precursor to like Golden Sun, but would become Golden Sun. Um, and, uh, that's like, that's cool to have on the service an actual, like kind of strategy RPG, um, coming to the service. That's a neat, um, yeah, nice little final fantasy, nice little dragon quest style, top down RPG. I really like when they add those onto the service because obviously RPGs are nice, big media experiences. Most of the time, these aren't just some pick up and play experiences that you'll play for 10 minutes and then forget about. This is something that people who own the, the NSO, uh, and the expansion pack can really sink their teeth into and get a lot of time out of it. It really adds a lot of hours to uh, to these apps. So I'm glad that we're getting stuff. We're getting arcade-style stuff like Sonic Spinball. But on the flip side, we're also getting big adventure titles like Shining Force 2. Yeah, and then, I mean, Space Harrier is just one of those, like, weird classic Sega games, man. So you got Sp- yeah, Space it's Harrier basically Sega's. It's basically Sega's Star Fox. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, so really cool, really cool uh, NSO drop. I think one of the better ones we've seen for uh, Sega Genesis. Yeah, I also think it's one of the better drops that we've seen here in a little while. We've only gotten a couple real drops of games for the Sega Genesis, but there's still a few on the horizon that hopefully will make an appearance at some point that I'm really excited about. We've already got some some classics on there. We've got Toe Jam and Earl and Gunstar Heroes, Ristar, of course, Sword of Emelian. So couple more that i'd like to see uh make an appearance obviously we've already got that other we've already got a genesis collection on the nintendo switch so i do hope that we see a couple games that fall outside of that couple games that you know we've we've already seen a thousand times over let's bring in some let's bring in some games that haven't been remade and re-released a dozen times already yeah yeah that would be nice because a lot of these games have been you know, have been released in compilations and such. So, um, but still always, always cool to get more, uh, more stuff. So we'll, we'll see what next week's NSO drop is. Uh, <laughs> basically, <laughs> see what, basically, see what happens there. But I did want to shout this out real quick too. Um, there is currently an NSO free game trial happening um, for Dragon Quest Builders 2. That's something worth shouting out for NSO members. Uh, you can download Dragon Quest Builders 2 and play that for free. Yeah, I plan on doing that this week, and I've heard a lot of good things. We have a couple community members that swear by that game. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to play it too. I downloaded it normally with these. I've, I've already like played the game and own it, but this is a situation where I don't. So I'm actually going to, going to download that and it's on sale, I think for like 30 bucks during the trial period. So I, yeah, it's 40% off and, uh, available for free to play until the 26th. So if that's up your alley, go get it. Yeah. Yeah, give it a look. Uh, definitely worth, you know, always worth jumping in. If you're an NSO member, you got nothing to lose. Um, but we do have a little bit of a crazier NSO story here. Um, yeah, th- this this is a weird one. We don't normally comment on, like, rumors and speculation and stuff like that. Um, but when there's a flat-out leak... Uh, it's a little bit different when there's an actual factual leak of something. And, you know, there are a lot of like things we could draw from this. But uh, yes, earlier this week, some leaked emulation software was found. Apparently, this this was uncovered by a Switch dev kit that had leaked emulators for Game Boy and Game Boy Advance apps that run on the Switch. Like people, the files are available. People have downloaded them booted them onto their switches and they work. They're rudimentary and they're like in the early phases, but they work. And the obvious conclusion of this is that there's going to be Game Boy and GBA apps coming to NSO. I don't know. We have nothing official uh, from any first party outlets. So, I, I mean, we'll see what ultimately comes of this. It could be that this massive leak gives Nintendo cold feet. It could be that the leak itself turns them off of the idea. So we'll see what happens from here. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, the, the thing about this is, is like, like the, the fact is, is that this is actual files developed by Nintendo. Um, in particular, um, Nintendo, uh, the European research and development team that works on the NSO apps and has worked on the mm-hmm. uh, the mini consoles and and they're they're kind of like Nintendo's emulation team. I mean, this is a real thing, but we don't know what it means. This could just mean. I mean, let's be real, guys. Nintendo probably has emulators working for all their consoles. Like, yeah, we know that the Switch can run Wii and GameCube emulation because or at of least Mario. the GameCube Virtual Console, you cowards. Yeah, like the the Switch has all of this stuff. Nintendo has this figured out. Of course, there are apps for for probably all of their consoles to be emulated on Switch in the event that they that they want to tap into that. Now, the fact that these are actually distributed in separate apps, I think does imply that these are going to be apps that come to NSO eventually, but who knows? I mean, who knows when or how they're going to roll this out? This could be something, this could be nothing. But um, but it was worth it was worth stopping and talking about for a second. And there's certainly some amazing games on those platforms. I would love to play on Switch. Interesting that this is discovered the same week as the Game Boy. I mean, granted, yeah, the 33rd anniversary of the Game Boy is not a massive marquee anniversary, but still, I do think the timing is a little interesting. Yeah, it is a little bit. Yeah, it is, it is a little bit weird. You almost it, it almost you never know what Nintendo lets out intentionally, you know, like you never know if they, if they let this kind of stuff out intentionally to see what fan response is going to be. There was this whole thing with the Star Fox Grand Prix thing where that was a fake leak that Nintendo let out purposefully to find out who was leaking stuff, you know? So, um, so you never know what's real and what's not, but, um, but you know, these are files, these are emulators that exist and were developed by Nintendo and they, they can be booted up and ran on a switch, but who knows 
when we'll get any official news about this or what form it'll take, but that's that's where I, we're at. I, I wouldn't expect much. I mean, we're still like the the N64 and the Sega Genesis NSO apps are still brand new. Yeah. So I would not expect anything. If Nintendo winds up staying to their original timeline and this is part of their original timeline, I still wouldn't expect it for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, maybe for like the first anniversary of expansion pack or something like that, you know, maybe possibly maybe like in the September direct or something. I don't, I don't know, but, um, that this is all just speculation, but that's where we're at with it right now. But earlier this week, we did have a little bit of a rut row moment, uh, An unnamed Nintendo employee filed a complaint against the company to the National Labor Relations Board, alleging that that Nintendo had violated their legally protected right to unionize. On Thursday, Nintendo released the following statement on the matter, saying, quote, We are aware of the claim, which was filed with the National Labor Relations Board by a contractor who was previously terminated for the disclosure of confidential information and for no other reason. Nintendo is not aware of any attempts to unionize or related activity and intends to cooperate with the investigation conducted by the NLRB. Nintendo is fully committed to providing a welcoming and supportive work environment for all our employees and contractors. We take matters of employment very seriously, end quote. Yeah, so this is a bit of a nasty story. I mean, we're all Nintendo fans. We all love Nintendo here, obviously, but... When, when they're, you know, we got to take the good with the bad. Um, and this is kind of baseless right now. We, there's not much, you know, to, to go off of here. Um, this is yeah. a, all we really have is an allegation on one side saying that Nintendo, uh, we have, we've, we've seen no evidence yet. All we have is an allegation on one side saying that Nintendo had violated, uh, a contractor's right to unionize and then we have an allegation on Nintendo's side saying that that person was terminated for leaking confidential information and nothing else. Right. So and and this kind of is compartmentalized with another kind of story the the this is in particular um allegations against Nintendo of America and also the contract worker agency that NOA works with called Aston Carter. It's um it's it's this kind of contract, you know, people who are working for the company on a contract basis. And um, apparently there's this whole expose that was ran from uh, 10 prior Nintendo employees that kind of got into like unionization meetings and stuff and some of the leadership from Aston Carter in relation to uh, Nintendo. So it's it's this kind of like big, messy thing. It's an ongoing investigation, but um, I I think Nintendo is trying to distance themselves from it. Nintendo is not an infallible company. But, you know, no company is. These are businesses. And, I mean, look, when you involve people in big business, you're always going to have bad people in leadership positions. You know, Um, bad things happen in this industry all the time. So um, Nintendo is certainly not immune to that. Um, That being said, I don't want to come out and just throw allegations at Nintendo and be like, this is what they should do and this or that, because nothing, nothing concrete has come out of any of this. We, we really don't know anything other than some allegations. Exactly. Like I just said, we don't really have any handle on the evidence, any handle on what the actual situation was. However, once we do, once those facts do come to light, we will definitely let you guys know what happens. Yeah, this is an ongoing investigation. And if anything comes out from it, 
it's it's going to come out and we'll report on that too. I mean, we that's that's really important to us. We do not shy away from the hard conversations when it comes to Nintendo. I mean, we love the company obviously and we try to keep it as positive as we can on the show, but we're not going to shy away from the tough conversations either when we need to have them. So do stay tuned for further information on that as it becomes available. But here at the end of the news roundup, let's go ahead, as we always do, shout out the major releases from this past week. We've already talked about the three brand new NSO titles on the Sega Genesis app for Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, Sonic Spinball, yes. Space Harrier 2, and Shining Force 2. But in addition to that, another one we've already shouted out is The Last Friend. Definitely also, go yes. check out... also yes definitely go check out seth's video up on our youtube channel i can't remember what the youtube channel is called seth what is this you you know i i i think we've done a pretty good job of of kind of like uh you know unifying all of our social media stuff guys we're all in podcast everywhere youtube twitch twitter facebook all in podcast so that's where you'll find it all in.com slash all in podcast (laughs) (laughs) all in dot podcast (laughs) <laughs> exactly yeah. no youtube.com slash all in podcast definitely check out that video of the last friend from our own seth in addition to that a game we're going to be talking about here very shortly rotund zero from daku creations the last part of this trilogy of games featuring an adorable little rabbit named chubbit you have rotund takeoff rotund rebound and rotund zero which just released a few days ago again stay tuned we will be talking about that and its brothers later on in the episode the last game we were going to shout out here at the end of the news roundup is finally star wars the force unleashed has made its way to the nintendo switch this star killer journey vader's secret apprentice the wii version an upgraded wii version of the game has finally dropped on nintendo's hybrid platform I know you're really excited about this. I know you're a huge fan of that version of the game. I There's objective faults with the game. I'm not going to sit here and say it's superb, but it's, I don't want to, mm, I hesitate to use the term guilty pleasure because then it also makes it look like I'm really dunking on the game because I like it when it's not good. And there's, there's a lot of really cool stuff to like about it. And I do really like it. Although I do see that there are faults with it, but I haven't played the Switch version yet. So I don't know. We will see. That is definitely something that I plan on playing. Although, admittedly, I think I will wait for my limited run collector's edition. That's fair. I, I, I love it. I really do. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna double tap. I'll just wait for my limited run physical version in the mail. But for those who don't care about that, if you want to check out Star Wars: The Force Unleashed, it is available now on the Nintendo Switch. Shout out to Sam Witwer. <laughs> the the third Dark Force user he's playing on the Nintendo Switch this <laughs> month. That's true, actually. But uh, yes, ton of stuff going on in the world of Nintendo. A couple really cool games coming out. A couple really, a lot of really cool games on the horizon. Again, we've got Nintendo Switch Sports coming just next week, and we've got. Uh, Sonic Origins and Digimon and Splatoon 3 and of course Xenoblade Chronicles 3 so much stuff coming in the near future what are your guys thoughts on all of it what are your guys thoughts on all the release date information that's come out definitely reach out to us on Twitter at all in podcast on Facebook at all in podcast join the conversation over on discord with us we just mentioned, definitely check out youtube.com slash Holland Podcast and Seth's vid of The Last Friend. Check out twitch.tv 
slash all in podcast because our very own full-time content creator two dollar hero is start going to be much much more active on that platform now you're definitely going to want to give twitch.tv slash all in podcast a look-see here in the near future and of course we have all in a nintendo podcast the podcast which you can like and subscribe to over on just all the places google play itunes spotify anchor uh Stitcher and all all those great places. All of them. All of those great places. And again, guys, we said at the beginning of the episode, if you like what we're doing over here, if you think we put together a halfway decent show, make sure to like and and share and retweet the episode. But also, you can drop some words for us over on iTunes, Podchaser, and Audible. You can leave us written five-star reviews. And over on Spotify, you can drop five-star ratings. And uh, if you do, as always, we will show our appreciation by shouting you out at the very beginning of the episode. And you can be a part of the show. And uh, we really appreciate it. It helps us so much with visibility. Yes, and we promise not to uh, miss your review for months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my bad. Time. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but guys just uh, again i know we mentioned it earlier but thank you thank you thank you so much for for all the support and everything all the good juju and good vibes that you throw at us every week and for hanging out with us each and every saturday and making us part of your weekly rotation namaste namaste indeed eric and hey in spite of everything else going on this week don't forget today is actually national record store day yeah how could you forget? How could you How possibly could forget? <laughs> so if you're somebody who collects vinyl, definitely make sure you head out to your local record shop and, and support your local. Always support your local. And I mean, everybody's got music on the mind this week anyway, as Coachella rages on. I think it's of going course. on through until tomorrow, right? Yeah, it ends tomorrow. Huge music festival that started last Friday. Uh, uh, just, you know, absolutely dominated the entertainment news cycle over the past week massive music fest it's wonderful that we're getting out and about back into the world with massive events like this and we here at all in decided you know what if coachella can hold a music festival so can we yes there are a lot of amazing fictional bands that have performed throughout nintendo history so we thought we would put together our own all-in music festival this week eric in the top five All right, Eric, All In Music Festival, top five fictional bands to perform on our, on our stage. What are the rules? Well, these have to be actual bands. We're not just talking about, you know, musical numbers. We're not just talking about characters that have, you know, who are musically themed like I know from Guilty Gear or, you know, Tempo from Harmo Night, who, you know, you play in rhythm games. No, these have to be actual bands we're only booking actual bands here at all in music fest 2022 so you know it's it's not just good enough to be in a rhythm game not just good enough to be in a musical number you can't just sing a song in a game and show up at all in music fest 2022 you have to be in an actual band like you can't just have music themed powers like, even though it's Kirby month, we're not putting Kirby on here just because he has the mic ability. So, no Kirby on this list. So, 
Seth, what's our number five? It's actually a little awkward because our, our number five is actually going to be the Deedly Dees, Eric, from Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Oh. Oh, well, I guess Kirby's showing up on this list then. <laughs> Kirby is indeed showing up on this list. Deservedly so. I mean, I mean, what music festival doesn't open with the soundtrack band? I mean, you've got to have the, the person to go up on stage and be the soundtrack. And the, the concept of a sound test has been in video games for... I mean, for decades now, and the DLEDs, I mean, are are probably the best representation of that idea just as recently as last month. Oh, the DLEDs are absolutely fantastic. They're one of my favorite rising stars in the Nintendo music sphere. Absolutely outshone some of the other bands that uh, you might hear in sound tests at other music fests. Other bands like the Peach Hit 5 from Super Princess Peach. Other bands yes. like the Maximizers from Pokemon the Sword Maximizers. and Shield. I didn't even know they had a name. That's amazing. That that end credits band of what is it? Rillaboon on the drums, an Obstagoon yeah. vocalist, and then two yep. Toxtricities. <laughs> yep, on guitar and bass. Absolutely, so great. And then the Game & Watch Gallery Music Room has their own band of Mario characters, but it seems they haven't really moved beyond the recording room. So we absolutely had to go with the Deedly Dees for our sound test, for our sound check representation here at All In Music Fest. I mean, in Kirby and the Forgotten Land, you can e- they even have their guitar case out that you can throw money into to support them. That's awesome. I was just, I was just going to bring that up because like how nice is it to see a starving musician to see where that money's going because once you hit a certain threshold their stage gets upgraded their equipment gets upgraded you see literally where your money's going when you support the DLEDs absolutely cannot wait to see where they are this time next year because they play some absolute bangers oh yes Oh, yes. But going into our number four slot in the All End Music Festival, after the sound check has been done, you make sure your amps are properly situated. You make sure the guitars are sounding good. I mean, it's nice to start off slow and build. And what better way to do that with some up and coming indies, Eric? Yeah. You got to have a nice indie band. You got to have some underground band. You got to gaining traction within the music industry, not necessarily mainstream yet, but everybody has their indie rock and roll favorites. They got their $10 shirt that comes with a free album on the sidelines, you know? Of course, of course, yeah. The ones that they sign absolutely everything because Mm -hmm. they're trying to get their name out there. But there are some really, there are some cool little indie rock bands within the Nintendo sphere. But at All In Music Fest 2022, we are bringing the energy. We, of course, have to go with the Sex Bob-Bombs from Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game. It's already an amazing game that has like an entire music, you know, venue as a level where uh, you're going up against the Clash at Demonhead, another, you know, fantastic indie band from that game. But I mean, but I mean, yeah, it's it's in terms of indies, it's pretty legendary. Yeah. And nothing but the best for our listeners. Absolutely nothing but the best. They even have Crash and the Boys in there very, very briefly at the end of the first level before Matthew Patel shows up. And this might be a bit of a uh, cheat considering that uh, it's a fictional band that uh, originates outside the realm of video games. 
But again, it's just such an iconic indie band. And the fact that the band itself, them playing music together, that's part of the gameplay. You can actually get Stephen Stills and Scott and Kim. Yes. And you can get them all to perform the Sex Bob-omb super attack. So good. What a great touch that is. I mean, to actually get to perform as the band within the game. Um, I mean, that's that's just amazing. Yeah, the Kavi and Nagi twins won't know what hit them. <laughs> yeah, but there are definitely some honorable mentions, some some folks that are definitely worth shouting out. I mean, we love Wander Song. Shout out mm-hmm. to our friend Greg, yes, Greg Lobanov. Um, there's a great moment in Wander Song, one of my favorite moments in the entire game, when the bard kind of has to get a band together for this character, Manny, who is not only like the band manager, but also the drummer, <laughs> weirdly. Yeah. Kind of skeezy, uh, but ultimately endearing, kind (laughs) of sketchy little character. But yeah, you've got to put together this band, and it's it's this whole quest line. But uh, the the payoff for it is is so nice, and it actually winds up. There's multiple payoffs for this quest line, and it's just it's so poignant. It's such an incredible moment. Again, I will continue to sing the praises of Wander Song. Everybody knows about Chicory. It was one of the best games of twenty. 21, but if you haven't played Greg Lobanov's other game on the Nintendo Switch, you are missing out. Yeah, another one of my favorite indie games is Night in the Woods, and the main character, May, in that game has got an unnamed band. We never learned the name of her band. Um, I heard somewhere but, it was like Dusk Stars. Or yeah, something. so that that's like a throwaway joke that May makes in the game, and people, people misconstrue that to be the name of the actual band. It's one of those jokes where like, um, you know, somebody says something and they're like, oh, that's the name of my blah, blah, blah band or whatever, you know, just like jokingly, it's a throwaway joke. Um, the band itself never named, but what I like about this band is that they have a very prolific moment early in the game and the game's like first act where they play this song called die anywhere else. And it's, it's actually so well realized with no vocal track that people have taken to, um, people have taken to actually making it a real song, like singing along to it. It's that well realized. Um, and then within the game, there's actually this band from like the twenties and thirties that comes up in the game story called the deep hollow hollowers. Like one of my favorite things about nine in the woods in general is just like the history of possum Springs. And that really comes through in the game. And, and that band comes up throughout the game story, which is really cool. And then the last band that we considered booking a newer band in the indie space, Gabriel's band from a musical story, a rhythm game that just released recently on the Nintendo switch. Yeah. Another unnamed one, but Hey, I mean, they, they are too busy playing at Pinewood to, uh, to come on to the all in music fest, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've got a more than suitable replacement for them. If with sex, Bomb. but I mean, once Sex Bob-omb has finished their set, we're going into the main show. And you got to start off with a really strong solo act. And there's some really good solo acts in Nintendo history. But when you're talking about Nintendo and solo musical acts, I mean, I mean. There, there's really only one, right? You got to book K.K. Slider himself. And this is a this is a pretty stacked category when it comes to incredibly talented musicians. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Yuna 
from Final Fantasy X too, because she does become an actual professional performer in mm-hmm. Final Fantasy X too. Even Orpheus from Hades, fantastic, yeah. incredibly talented musician who works directly for the Lord of the Undead. I'll tell you, uh, he really should take Eurydice. They should take that act on the road. They should turn that into a duet. I love that song. Yeah, absolutely love that song. And then, of course, the last one I'm going to shout out is my girl who I I may have slightly too strong of feelings for considering she's a video (laughs) game character. But Alex Chin from Life is Strange True Colors. Yeah, I mean, very light spoilers for the end of that game, but there are endings of that game that involve Alex pursuing a solo music career. Um, so, I mean, great solo musician. There are a couple of moments in the game where Alex does perform, uh, music and, and is a talented singer and a talented guitarist. So, um, definitely worth shouting out Alex. Um, also had to shout out Octavo, the antagonist of Cadence of Hyrule. Yeah. Not who, DJ Octavio from no, Splatoon. No, no. No, not at all. Um, Octavo, the the final boss of Cadence of Hyrule, who is literally the one-man show. Like, he's conducting all of the instruments to to be used against you in that fight. So good. Um, But, I mean, when it comes to, like, K.K. Slider was, was just the best pick for this. I mean, not only... In Animal Crossing, are you, as as kind of a collectible, able to collect K.K. Slider's literal records, his actual albums, play them throughout your island? Um, in Animal Crossing New Horizons, getting K.K. Slider to perform on your island is actually kind of, if there is an endgame goal, like, that's when the credits roll, is when K.K. Slider finally comes to perform at your island. Yeah. That is basically the final uh, required uh, goal. That is the final required yes. thing that you have to complete. You have to get your island good enough. You have to upgrade it enough to the point where KK Slider comes and performs at your island. And that is a huge deal for all the inhabitants. Tom Nook and Isabel lose their minds when they realize that KK Slider is coming. But once you have fulfilled that, you actually get the opportunity to see a KK Slider concert on your island every Saturday. He actually comes and performs every Saturday on your island. That's a true professional. It's so good. And everybody can like gather around him. You can request specific songs. You can kind of tell him your mood. You can just let him like go with the flow with it. Um, it's, it's great. I mean, like the KK Slider's integration in, in all of these games has been amazing and he's been a one man show this entire time. And I mean, you talk about bangers. I mean, some of those KK Slider songs are fantastic. And one of the reasons we had to get KK is because I'm, you don't know if he's just going to, you know, you don't know if he's just going to pull up a chair and go all acoustic on you. You don't know if he's going to bust out his entire DJ booth. <laughs> He'll just bring out the kit. <laughs> yeah. But he's a master of so many different musical stylings. He has recorded songs in just about every genre that you can possibly imagine when it comes to solo musical acts in Nintendo history. The buck stops with the dog. Absolutely. And when you have the crowd sort of warmed up with the indies and the solo act, you know, the, the crowd loves a good duo, a good duet, a group that can really take the stage and own it. 
And it's, it's actually funny, Eric, because there is really only one answer to this in our mind. And ironically enough, we're actually kind of replicating something that's happened in real life when K.K. Slider, in real life, opened for Off the Hook. That was so great. <laughs> for, for those happened. who don't know what Seth is talking about, there was a Splatoon-themed concert that happened over in Japan, and K.K. Slider was the opening act of that concert as well. So good. So, And I mean, like, of course, you know, Off the Hook, Pearl and Marina, Pearl fantastic. Marina, my girls. Love Fantastic. I, but but I mean, you also in the same breath can't mention the ones who came before the Squid Sisters. Of right? course, Callie and Marie. I mean, they're 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 both fantastic. I have a hard time picking between them. Um, it, you know, if, if I absolutely have to pick, I'm probably going to go off the hook. Um, but but I mean, it's so hard. They're they're both fantastic duos. Oh, they're so great. So much personality. Instantly iconic. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. The squid sisters were a tough act to follow, but Pearl and Marina are just special. I absolutely adore them. Yeah. And I mean, they're, you know, they, they've performed enough splat fests. They are consummate professionals at this point. They know how to play all end fest. Oh yeah. And I love how much <laughs> they play off of each other. They can never seem to agree on anything during the splat fests, but it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. Uh, there were a couple other, that a couple other duos, a couple other duets that we considered for All In Music Fest, uh, Hall and Oates, uh, <laughs> Millie Vanilli, a few others. But <laughs> we thought, we did think about Toe Jam and Earl. We did. But ultimately, they're more just like rap enthusiasts. I was going to say, are they professionals? Do they actually no. perform at the professional level? <laughs> no, just rapping to yourself in your car doesn't make you an actual musical act, unfortunately. But all the love in the world to those lovable hip-hop aliens. But there was one other duet that we considered. <laughs> well, that Seth mostly considered. <laughs> so... There is this. This is going to be a deep cut for for people who are not uh, Rhythm Heaven fans. In the original Rhythm Heaven, Rhythm Ten Goku, there is a rhythm game called Rap Men, um, and it is a duo, not unlike Toe Jam and Earl, I guess. Just this sort of like nondescript looking yellow guy with a you know a yellow zero on his shirt, and then a red guy with headphones with a one on his shirt, and they're just a. a couple of you know people rapping in front of a crowd and uh it's just you know it's it's just a fun little simple rhythm game just like with um you know ju just like with all the rhythm heaven mini games but they're sitting there just rapping about snacks which is great um you know just just salty and sweet snacks and whatnot which is which is fantastic and they <laughs> they only appeared in cameo roles in the other ones um it is fantastic whenever you do badly in the song and they just like cry so <laughs> they, uh, they, they just sit there and just have like these sullen looks on their face, just with tears streaming down their face. Cause you failed them. It's uh yeah. Shout out to the rap men from rhythm heaven. Shout out to the rap men. Absolutely. But 
you know, we've done our sound test. We've had a great indie band there to warm up the band. We've had a fantastic singles act to really kick things into next gear. And then, of course, the duo has taken things to the next level. Time for the main event. Time for the main show at All In Music Fest 2022. So what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is we are going to have an old-fashioned battle of the bands. We are going to let you choose the true headliner of All In Music Fest 2022. And you have the choice between... You've got Pauline's Band from Super Mario Odyssey, obviously the uh, players of the iconic Jump Up Superstar, who could forget them. Um, you've got the Indiegogos from Majora's Mask who, uh, are, you know, woven into the story, end up playing at the milk bar during the game's end credits. Um, you've got Love Fist from GTA Vice City and really the less said about them, the better. Um, and then you've got the Runaway Five, the traveling jazz band from Earthbound. So obviously that is a, going to be a hard choice. Those is a very eclectic set of bands there obviously we'll we'll start off with pauline's band from super mario odyssey because if if you saw any of the marketing for one of the greatest games of all time they're in like it actually charted irl yeah jump up superstar charted irl that's how great of a band pauline and her nameless faceless uh bandmates are it's basically like pauline and the four faceless NPCs. <laughs> yeah. But Jump Up Superstar is an absolute banger, even if they only come to Music Fest, all in Music Fest 2022, and just play that song a couple times. I still think it would be worth it. It's one of the best moments. The uh the music festival in Mario Odyssey is one of the best moments in Mario history, in my opinion. It's such an incredible mission, such an incredible, you know. I guess level is the best way to put it, but it's so much cooler than that. I, I mean, I completely agree. I, I love that moment. I love jump up superstar. I mean, if you're going to be a one hit wonder, that's one heck of a one hit wonder, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I love about the Indiegogos, and I mean, look, far be it for me to carry the torch for Majora's mask. I mean, you all know how much I love Majora's mask, but I mean, this is a band of Zora who what what I really love is that the band has built-in history like there's previous generations of Indiegogos including the lead singer Lulu's mother who you you know have to kind of call back memories of when you recover Lulu's eggs for her she falls into like a postpartum depression like it all kind of plays into the things that already the very human problems that already make Majora's Mask great and it is it's an essential part of the story. You end up learning a new song from Lulu's Eggs, the new wave bossa nova. Um, she ends up getting her voice back at the end of it. And then the ultimate payoff is during the end credits, you see Link wearing the Zora mask, which is uh, taken directly from one of the band members who ended up dying. Um, Link puts on the Zora mask and performs with them in the milk bar. It's just a great payoff to an emotionally charged story and by the way, all of those band members have names. They, <laughs> they've all got names. You got Lulu, you got Evan, you got Mikau, Joppas, and Tijo. <laughs> They're great. And it's such a great moment within the game. It's, it, you it's know, one of my favorites. Yeah. 
some bands play to entertain that band played to help save Termina. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a really, I mean, everything in Majora's Mask is emotionally charged, but that, that one hits home for me. And again, to, to see them finally, you know, getting their confidence back, Lulu getting her voice back and playing there in the milk bar. And it's an awesome song. Um, you know, that, that song, by the way, in the fiction, like plays Ballad of the Windfish, which is interesting too. So there's, there's a lot of interesting things to the Indiegogos. <laughs> but if you're in the mood for a little something different, a little something more mature, maybe <laughs> you would like to hear Love Fist from Love GTA Fist, Vice Fury, City. blah, blah. I'm not going to say the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Scottish hair metal band appearing in Grand Theft Auto Vice City and referenced in several other uh, Rockstar games. Bandmates Jez, Dick, Willie, and Percy playing <laughs> such hits as, again, probably not good to start talking about their lyrics or song <laughs> names here yeah. on the show. But uh, yeah, if you're into something, let's say a little more traditionally rock and roll, a little more uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, then Love Fist would absolutely be right up your alley. And honestly, Vice City, Vice City's probably just under San Andreas for me. I admittedly, I haven't played GTA five, uh, uh, which I know is the heresy that the game's been, you're out one for, of the only people now that haven't played yeah, it, I guess. I'm, I'm sure I haven't, but <laughs> that trilogy of games back on the PlayStation two and the original X, that was just so special. I'm glad we have it on the Nintendo switch, even in the, uh, the bug belumbered GTA trilogy, uh, what was the remastered edition or whatever definitive edition. Yeah. But still I, for me, GTA Vice City is probably just under San Andreas. It is an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, I I do still recommend checking it out. If you have a, a, a good way to play it and love fist is a very memorable part of that game. Oh yeah. To, to say the least. Yeah. Um, four is my favorite GTA, but that's a, that's a hot take. Apparently I didn't know people didn't like four. Four is like by far my favorite, but um, anyway, cool. I, like them. I, I, yeah, I love four. Um, the runaway five though, in earthbound, this is interesting because they're a jazz band, right? And you first meet them when they perform in Tucson, um, and they owe uh, $10,000 to the owner of the chaos theater which uh, which Ness helps them out with, and um, and and they wind up being an essential um, stop on your trip and, and end up taking you to Threed, and they perform again in Foreside. You actually wind up uh, you know having to deal with their debt again. So I mean that's probably working against them. I mean we we don't want them to incur a whole bunch of debt to to us for the All In Music Fest, but you can't deny their talent. So there you have it, folks. You have. The Deedly Dees, who are doing our sound check and our sound test for us. You have the amazing Sex Babam, the local indie band who is here to absolutely blow the roof off of this place. You have KK Slider, one of the most iconic acts, the most, the most iconic singles act in Nintendo history. And then, of course, you have Off the Hook, who is here to take things to the next level. But then, of course, you have the battle of the bands who is your true headliner of All In Music Fest 2022. Is it Pauline's band from Super Mario Odyssey? Is it the Indie Go-Go's and their magically uh, tinged, magically folk 
music is hit Love Fist from GTA Vice City and their, let's just say, not safe for work musical <laughs> stylings? Or is it the jazz, the iconic jazz fivesome, the Runaway Five from Earthbound? Let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook at All In Podcast. Reach out to us on Twitter. On Twitter, as a matter of fact, we're going to be putting a poll up right after this episode goes live so you can actually vote on who is going to be the true headliner for All In Music Fest 2022. Reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter. Join the conversation over on Discord and actually let us know who your favorite fictional musical acts throughout Nintendo history are. We'd love to hear what uh, your choices for your own personal Coachella, your own personal music fest would be. Yes, yes. And obviously, you know, we're really looking forward to the Kirby 30th anniversary concert that's happening oh, in August. If it's, I've said this already, but if it's half as good as the Sonic 30th anniversary symphony from last year, it will be a must watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cannot wait. Um, can't wait to, to see them blow the roof off, of you know, off of the place with, uh, with amazing Kirby music. Um, but you know, speaking of Kirby, Eric, we are of course still in the throes of Kirby month. So yes, uh, of course. What do you say? We kind of, we talk about a game with a, a round protagonist who loves food and has other animal buddies and, whose game also kind of has like a darker tone bubbling underneath the surface. We're, we're, we're not talking about Kirby himself. No, no, no. We're talking about Chubbit. And if you don't know who Chubbit is, Chubbit is the protagonist of Rotun Takeoff, Rotun Rebound, and Rotun Zero. That's the Rotun series we talked about last week a little bit on the show, but we have been playing it so much over the course of this past week. Yeah, it got me. I mean, we've just been more and more impressed the more we've played it. So um, we're going to be talking about the Rotun series right now in this week's Kirby Month Indie Showcase. You know, Seth, we just can't help it this month. We just keep having Kirby on the brain. I mean, it is Kirby Month, and we did, of course, promise our wonderful listeners awesome Kirby content all month long, but talking about the Kirby concert, and it just seems like we can't get away from really cool 2D action platformers that have adorably rotund, adorably chubby <laughs> protagonists in them. Yeah, that's right. I, You know, it's so funny because I... I mean, we we were looking for games to do. You know, we we really wanted to make sure we did a Kirby Month Indie Showcase because mm -hmm. you know, there there are a couple different routes you could go with it. But I mean, you and I literally were scavenging the internet looking for games that are even <laughs> really even close to Kirby. It blows my mind how little, how few indie developers have taken inspiration from the whole Kirby copyability thing. I think a lot of people, you know, maybe more so uh, would like to be inspired by the Mega Man franchise in that regard. In that regard, you've got stuff like Azure Striker Gunvolt and of right. course the upcoming Berserk Boy that I'm really excited for. But there are just so few games out there that really feel like they are directly inspired by the pink puffball. But this one, this one did kind of give us Kirby vibes, at least at the beginning. Yeah, that, that's the thing, too, right? Because, you know, th there are very few games, even with the vibes of Kirby, like we unfortunately, I, well, fortunately slash unfortunately, I guess, have already covered Save Me Mr. Taco, which is one of the few games that really fits this bill. 
But then, yeah, I I need that plush from Limited Run. By oh, the me way. too. I need that plush. Oh yeah, me too. That's 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 already <laughs> bought. Already bought. Um, but but when Rotun Zero, which is the game that actually just came out this week, and funny enough, is the latest game in the Rotun series, now a trilogy of games. Um, when that crossed our desk, I was like, man, I've, I've got to do some research about this. So I reached out to the folks at Daku Creations, a two-man team, a couple of brothers working on this game. And they were just so kind and, you know, hit us back and gave us actually a rundown of the series. Turns out the series has a really interesting history that dates all the way back to 2014 on the Wii U. So mm-hmm. I'm actually just going to... I'm just going to give you guys the just straight from the horse's mouth here, uh, the quote from the DM that the docu sent me when they were giving me a little bit of information about the Rotun series. So they say, quote, just to give you a quick background, we released a game called Chubbins in 2014 on Wii U. It wasn't well received, but we put our hearts into it and loved the unique gameplay. So in 2018, we decided to give it a sequel, Rotun Rebound. As the sequel grew over years of development, we decided it'd be better all around to reboot the series with a Chubbins remake, Rotun Takeoff. Amid all that, we made Rotun Zero as a tiny freebie for promotion, but later decided it'd be a shame for it to fall into obscurity, so we beefed up its content for an official release as well. Though very similar to play, each game has a very different overall feeling to it. And so um, we decided that really we should just talk about this entire series because it's a really interesting, unique, special little series that, again, has an interesting history. And, um, and and I just love this story. I love that this started on the Wii U as this game Chubbins. And they were like, you know what? No. Like, we, we can't give up on this. We know we have something here. Let's take it back to the drawing board and let's make Rotun take off and, and really give this the shot it deserves. Admittedly, you can kind of see why the games don't, pun slightly intended, take off because <laughs> probably probably the biggest knock against the game is the fact that it does kind of have a fairly basic visual style. There's nothing really about the aesthetic of the game that really pops out. To be completely honest, when you're looking at the game, it kind of seems like it's an almost uh, unintentional throwback to early 90s PC titles. And frankly, while I was playing it, I was kind of getting like if you've ever played like Mario hacks, like 2D Mario hacks or Kirby hacks or Sonic hacks. Uh, a lot of those aren't, you know, fully fledged games. They've taken assets that already exist and they've, you know, just crafted levels around them without a ton of consideration for the overall aesthetic of the experience for, you know, a lot of it. So the the, the Rotun series kind of feels like almost a hack in terms of the structure and in terms of the visual aesthetic, not necessarily as visually striking as something like Celeste or as something like Hades, of course, or as something like one of the bigger budget indie games that you'll see on the Nintendo switch, but give it a chance because this, I'm not going to lie, man, this, this little series got me. It really, really did. It's been a long time since we featured a game like this here on the indie showcase. We do, have a lot of games and we have played a lot of games that aren't necessarily too difficult that are fairly breezy games like Gris games like uh, feather and several other games that really are more played for the experience than for the difficulty or for the sake of playing them. But if you're looking for a challenge, 
we might have something for you here. I would go as far as to say, I mean, Rotund, the, the Rotund games are probably the hardest games um, we've ever talked about in the indie show. I mean, these games are hard, man. Um, and, yeah. and it, and embraces that. Like that's, that's kind of the point. I mean, it's like Kaizo levels of, of difficult here. It's, it's pretty, but, but the thing about it is, and this is always so important when you're talking about and when you're recommending a game that it's difficulty is like the bread and butter. It is not unfair. And like everything the, the game lays out its rules very, very cleanly. It controls very, very tightly. It does it does everything right when it comes to designing like a difficult game of this type. And that's what makes it recommendable. It's not an unfair challenge. It's a challenge that is there and you have to like figure out how to overcome it, but it's like it's gonna make you work for it. <laughs> it's absolutely gonna make you work for it. You can make a game as difficult as you want if you can code, if you can create a control scheme, a tight enough control scheme to match. A lot of games, you know, difficult, but incredibly fair. I think the the kind of poster boy for stuff like that is something like Super Meat Boy. Right. A game that is so famously difficult, but the controls are so incredibly tight that it earns that difficulty, that it doesn't feel unfair. And honestly, that's a game that I was thinking about several times while I was playing it because... The game is difficult. You are going to lose a lot of lives, uh, you know, and if if that prospect turns you off, I do understand. But I've got to admit, the controls are tight enough to where it earns that very high difficulty rating. Yeah. So to, to sort of explain the concept, the, the gameplay concept of the Rotun series, because it is really unique. I've never played something exactly like this game. This game reminds me of a few things. Um, like, like I think the Super Meat Boy comparison you just made is apt. Um, I, I, you know, kind of likened it mechanically to something like Kurukurukurin on the Game Boy Advance um, because of the way you have to sort of examine and recontextualize your viewpoint on the level design. But... Mm-hmm. The actual the actual gameplay itself, you are this rotund bunny named Chubbit. Um, very cute, very kind of like go-getter <laughs> attitude look to him. Um, you know, very much like Kirby, kind of has that simplistic design. First you draw a circle, then you dot the eyes kind of design, right? Um <laughs> Although you, there's no there's no splash of pink with Chubbin. No splash with pink. Chubbin's Chubbin. I mean, you know, there's there's skins in Rotund Rebound. So actually, know. that's true. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, but so um, the whole concept though is that Chubbin is constantly uh, Chubbin is constantly bouncing. He's always bouncing on uh, the platform. He's you know that that's kind of the the core movement. You actually can play the entire game just with the control stick, really. Um, he's constantly bouncing on the platforms. The platforms are notated by arrows, um, up arrows, you know, denoting that you're going to be going up or down arrows, denoting that if you touch them, you'll go down. Um, and even different types of arrows to denote the amount of bounce that you'll get off of them. And that's like the very base concept of the game. And the amount of mileage they get out of that concept is really staggering throughout. Yeah, you don't have control, almost kind of like the the opposite of something like Wonderling DX, where right. you have no control over the left or right movement, but you can jump yes. when you want. 
This is the complete inverse of that, where you have complete and total control over your left and right movement. However, you are constantly bouncing. You don't have control over that. Exactly. Yep. And instead of having traditional terrain, all the terrain in the game, like Seth said, are these directional arrows. And every time you land on one, you are jetted in that direction. Now, some arrows jet you, some arrows propel you further than others. But that's the thing that you always have to be mindful of, of which direction you're going to be bouncing when you land every time you land. So you're constantly bouncing and you're constantly being thrust different directions. And you have to constantly be mindful of that. And you have to constantly be making small adjustments to make sure that you're not constantly dying. You're constantly playing. It's constant. <laughs> if it's it's constant, if I have made that clear. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the difficulty of this ramps up really quickly because there are obstacles, there are enemies, there are like spike obstacles, and then there are gameplay obstacles. The game works in and, and quite a bit of variety in the level design that happens pretty quickly. And um, another thing that I think is really kind of stand out about the Rotund series in general is... And, and something that I really like about this, uh, about all of these games, really, um, with the exception of Rotund Zero, which is kind of a simpler game, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Rotund Takeoff and Rotund Rebound have this sort of like overworld map that actually, speaking of Kirby, like the way it's laid out reminds me a lot of Kirby Dream Course. <laughs> like that's sort of I, I can see that. Yeah. Like yeah. snake rattle and roll type vibes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That the, top. The down. funny thing is, is like. The, the kind of top-down isometric viewpoint of something like a, a snake rattle and roll. The funny thing is, uh, there is a there is actually a slight narrative here at play yeah. in each of the games. Chubbin comes across this corrupted carrot, this purple corrupted carrot. And in both games, when he comes across this purple corrupted carrot, it turns what is apparently a relatively normal world it video gamifies the world around him. I don't know if it's supposed to be a delusion or maybe even some hallucination, but or at the was the real the game, world, the hallucination. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the whole story is, is Chubbin comes across this corrupted carrot and his normal world becomes a video game world that he must then navigate through to, I guess, get back to the boring real world. <laughs> I guess that's what it seems I like. Guess. It's got that kind of, it's got that vibe that Kirby has where it's like, you know, this is all cutesy and you've got your little animal buddies and stuff, but there is something just a little weirder and a little darker underneath the surface. Like it becomes clear that not only is this a corrupted carrot, it's like a chemically toxic corrupted carrot. There's like a yeah. power plant. Like there's something weird going on here, you know? Yeah, and the game, the series rather starts, well, I guess technically starts, is rebooted. The first game in the Rotund series is Rotund Takeoff. And uh, again, everything that we've mentioned, you know, the Corrupted Carrot, the Overworld, and it introduces a lot of the things that Rotund Rebound will pretty significantly expand on you have the arrows and you have a lot of the gameplay gimmicks and a lot of the enemies that they'll use in rotund rebound as well some of the things that show up in that first game uh you have i mean you're a 
small woodland creature, which means that you like fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And they have several fruits and vegetables like four leaf clovers and carrots and grapes that will affect the stage in different ways. Well, specifically the carrot and the four leaf clover will trigger orange and green uh, aspects of the stage respectively. Now those aspects could be new bounce pads. Those aspects could be uh, spikes. So, but they will change up the stage in different ways. Sometimes it's a wall of spikes that you need to grab at the four leaf clover or carrot in order to pass. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, sometimes you need it to create bounce pads. And sometimes you need to switch between two of them. Like you're an Ikaruga. Uh, and then you've got the garlic, which cancels the effect. And then in addition to that, you've got the grapes, which, Oh boy. <laughs> That's like a whole other layer to it. <laughs> That's a whole thing. Typically, as with most 2D platformers, if you fall down the bottom of the stage, you die. However, with the grapes, it turns the entire stage into this. It's a basically a portal stage. Right. Frankly. So if you go down the bottom of the screen, you come out the top exactly where you fell. And if you somehow make it to the left or right limit of the stage, if you go out the side, you come around the other side. So it, it makes for some trippy, trippy levels. And again, they get a lot of mileage out of out of these stage implements. And then you have the enemies. You've got the beavers that throw stuff down at you. And then you've got those those badgers, man. Those <laughs> those badgers. Yeah, those, flying enemies. Those be fedoraed badgers. I hate them so much, Seth. <laughs> yeah, they're, I mean, the, the game definitely is not afraid to shake up with gameplay variety and, and throwing new mechanics at you. And But but again, like, if, if it sounds overwhelming, and maybe in some way it is, but I really appreciate the way that this game just kind of lets you get to grips with its rules and, and kind of forces you to, again, contextualize um, the, the way you look at the levels, like one, one of the best examples of this, I, I think it's maybe stage like two or three of Rotund Takeoff where, um, you have this, it's the first time you encounter an enemy. It's just this bouncing badger and you, I mean, he's just there, but you'll never get past him until you learn that, oh, wait, I have to actually change the timing of my bounce by going to a small bunny hop. That way I can go underneath him when he jumps up because otherwise we're going to be the same bounce height. Yeah, I just, that was the moment for me when I was like, oh, wow, this game is brilliant. And it only <laughs> grows from there because, I mean, like you just said, all these different stage implements, things like um, like water-based platforms where you can move freely, Um which, you know, things like gravity reversal come into play. Um, there's yeah. a lot here. Yeah, you can grab a strawberry and then all of a sudden gravity is completely inverted. And the game's already challenging, but you throw a reverse gravity into it and that just that just completely, I mean, your entire day's messed up at that point. <laughs> and and you will die a lot. You, you will die a lot. But, it, you know, as it turns out, even death is kind of incentivized and rewarded <laughs> in this game. Well, in the second game in Rotund Rebound, yes, death is actually a currency mm -hmm. in the game. 
you actually use your deaths, the number of deaths that you have suffered to purchase <laughs> new skins for your playable characters. And I say characters plural because one of the ways that Rotund Rebound, the second game in the trilogy, uh, really expands on its predecessor is the, the main character Chubbin comes back, but he is joined by five friends. There are five additional playable characters in the second game. And they, and the reason they do that is because each character now has their own special ability because in addition to everything else that they add for Rotun rebound, the second game, uh, they add in a collectible. They add in these golden, I guess they're clovers. They're golden leaves. Leaves, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they add in a collectible to each stage. And once you collect eight of them, you have access to your character's special ability, uh, shielding them from damage for a few seconds or just an immediate drop back down no matter where you are, no matter how how high you're bouncing. So each character, again, has their own kind of, uh, their own kind of slightly different play style. So it definitely makes them all worth collecting. And like I said, you you use deaths as currency to buy the extra skins for them. They're not really the skins aren't you know too crazy. We're not talking full on extra costumes. They're just palette swaps. But right. you'll certainly be able to afford a lot of them by the time you're done with the game. <laughs> yeah, they even do. There, it, it is a nice little detail how uh, the uh, the the death counter is just Chubbit's like ghost, like yeah, <laughs> that pops up with a little death counter on it. I do like that. Yeah, that's one of the things is when you die on a stage, when you get back to where you were, you will see a little ghost of Chubbin with a number on it with how many times you've died currently in that stage. So that's a wonderfully sobering number to see by the time you finally beat a level. <laughs> by the time you're there, there was a boss in, in Rotund Rebound that I literally died over a hundred times fighting. I haven't reached triple digits yet. I have not reached triple digits yet, but I did. I did come close on one of the bosses. I did come close. It was a, it was a, it was like the boss pirate beaver. Yeah. 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 Oh man. For, for me, it was that, that raccoon dude. The, the raccoon is uh, the raccoon, the portal raccoon. The yes. Well, that's, that's one that that makes you implement the, uh, the grape. And that one was tricky. That one got me. But uh, that was, but by the time I really got a handle on it, I was, I felt like chill from portal, like zipping around everywhere. <laughs> it was super satisfying. It was so great. That's really the, I mean, that's indicative of the game though. I mean, it's, it's the kind of game where yes, like when you first play this game, it's going to be hard. Like you're, you're going to brush up against it and you're going to say, Oh, like, how am I ever going to get good at this? But if you give it the time and if you really just put the work into learning it, you know, and you come to understand the level design, you come to understand the physics. I mean, this game just feels really good to play. Like, it's just tight physics. And um, once you really get to grips with all of that, it's so rewarding to get a handle on. Yeah, the first game is really basic by the second game standards. Right. You do still have some really interesting uh, stages. You do, still, you do still have a lot of the enemies in the the power-ups and the implements that we've been talking about. There's not as much. The worlds themselves are smaller and it is frankly a little more annoying in the first game because you actually have to 
get a certain number of medals before you can yes. progress, before you can even progress throughout the main, uh, throughout the main, I guess, world levels. Uh, and that's another thing is this game very highly encourages speed runs. It highly encourages setting new times and it highly encourages optimizing your runs in each and every stage. In the first game, you just have your time limit. Uh, you just have how fast you can beat an individual level. But that's yet another thing that they expand on pretty greatly in Rebound in the second game. Because in addition to beating a, a level as fast as you can, there are actually three separate different kind of achievements and medals that you can get in each stage in the game. You've got one that's just a straight speed run. You've got one that's a basically collection. There are 64. I believe every stage has 64 of those collectible leaves. And you have to collect all of them and beat the stage in a certain time. And then there's a bat character that you can get access to and that you can get help from in each of the stages who will change up uh, how you play the stage as well. And then you have to beat it basically with that character's help in a certain number of time. And it's three very different ways to approach a stage and three separate medals that you can get for each. So on top of having 10 stages per world, plus extra stuff to find in the world map, plus hidden stuff around corners, uh, you've got three separate ways to play each stage. It doesn't really, it doesn't change the layout of the stage, but I do appreciate the different ways to approach the different levels. I, I like that a lot too. And also, you know, they, they shake up the gameplay, especially with Rotund Rebound, um, quite a bit with these sort of mini games, these sort of like side distractions in the game. Yeah, I forgot about those. Yeah, they're they're really cool. They're really cool little I mean there's a little like Mario Kart clone in there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Which is fun. There is. There's a Yeah, they're they're basically just like little almost WarioWare style micro games, but they're really cool and they're really cool distractions from the main game. Another thing they didn't have to throw in, but they did. I certainly appreciate the fact they're there because after some of these stages, I really needed to get away from the main levels for a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's nice to be able to just kind of like break from the, you know, the 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 hard nature of them. And I think if you're the type of person like I, I'm definitely the type of person that likes a game that challenges me to play it quickly. And, and I like chasing down those times and stuff like that. So this this game appeals to that kind of like part of my brain and finding skips and interesting ways to tackle these stages. So this game appeals to that, but then it is nice to have those other things available too as kind of a cool down. Um, well, you're a super monkey ball fan. So yeah. I can, I, I can really see where, where, where your enjoyment of this game comes from Yes, because, because the premise is kind of, is very similar. Frankly, you have a little ball type character who's in these incredibly, compact yet incredibly challenging little levels and the entire point of the game is to try to see how fast you can navigate them and finding skips and finding little shortcuts around because they there are quite a few skips and shortcuts the levels are designed specifically in a way that that rewards people who are good at speed running yeah i mean rotund rebound um essentially opens with this kind of tutorial that like just in just in that tutorial shows you the different ways 
that you can approach even just a simple rudimentary level and the little ways that you can skip, you know, things in the game. And you, even just that tells you a whole lot about, uh, about the different things you can do in the game. So, I mean, I do really appreciate how much there is, um, just in the core design and talking about the timing and, and the sort of like speed game element of the Rotun series, uh, brings us to Rotun zero, which is the latest release that just came out, uh, this week on the 21st. And mm-hmm. this is the one, again, this is the one that first caught my eye. Cause it's got this very kind of like game boy aesthetic to it. Yep. Um, which is very cool. Very attractive. It even has like a game boy style palette swap in it, which is great. Um, yeah, kind of akin to something like Downwell. Totally. Yeah, but this one is kind of this supplementary game. It's not. It doesn't have like the overworld. It doesn't have the kind of scale of Rotun Takeoff, and certainly not of Rotun Rebound. But it's just this kind of supplement game where you can get a taste of what the gameplay is in um, what they call zero mode, which is where. You've got five minutes to basically um, get as much as you can before the clock hits zero. And then when you clear a stage in zero mode, uh, you have time attack mode that you can tackle with those stages as well. Yeah, it's a little $2 game. Yeah. But it's but it's a really cool little microcosm of the bigger games. There's no real campaign here. There's no real story mode. It's basically just a little $2 arcade mode version of the core gameplay. One of the cool things about Zero, though, is there are 25 stages in the game. But once you go through the first couple in Zero mode, it's random selection at that point. So your your run, each of your runs could wind up being very different. Yes. Yeah. And I I like that a lot, too. And again, the further you go through it, the more of those stages you'll you'll unlock. And and then you can tackle them in time attack mode. And so you've got a little bit of replayability there. So, again, this is a two dollar, you know, little supplementary game. But I think this is a great way. You know, the games, unfortunately, don't have a free demo. But I mean, for two dollars, you can play Rotun Zero and get a really good idea of what the core gameplay of the entire series is. Yeah, because a lot of the bounce pads, a lot of the enemies, and a lot of the the fruit power-ups and stuff like that that we were talking about, most of those implements do appear in Rotun Zero. So once you play through Zero Mode a couple times, you unlock a few of the stages. Again, there's 25 stages in Rotun Zero. It's a $2 game. So you can go time attack on each one of those. Once you unlock them, you can play through Zero Mode as many times as you want to. There's actually two or three stages I haven't even unlocked yet in Rotun Zero. Yeah, you just you know, gotta wait for the RNG to give you the level, but but yeah, it's it's really really cool. I, I love the, I love that this one is very specifically, very intentionally a Game Boy throwback. I know I talked about Rotun Zero or Rotun Takeoff and Rotun Rebound as possibly being unintentional '90s PC throwbacks, but this one is very very intentionally a Game Boy throwback, and I'm here for it. I think the visual style for the game really marries up well with that type of filter. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think I think it looks right at home with that with that sort of Game Boy style. Again, this this kind of has those Kirby vibes. So like you get a sense like you're playing a like you're playing a lost Kirby, you know, spin-off game or something like that. <laughs> like Chubbit was one of the animal buddies that got his own game or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, he was the bigger brother to Rick Kynan Koo. Yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> but I mean, yeah, just just a really cool. So the the breakdown pricing wise of these games, I think, is also really appropriate for the size of the games in question. So we've already said Rotun Zero, which is the smallest of the three, and that's the one that just came out. That's the Game Boy style timing based one. Um, that one's only a dollar ninety nine. Rotun Takeoff, which is the first one, and it's the um, the the sort of like remake of Chubbin on the Wii U, and kind of is the first one in the series. That one's seven ninety. And then Rotund Rebound, which is kind of the, the older brother of all of them, definitely the most content-filled one with the multiple playable characters and the mini-games and all the bosses and stuff. That one's $19.99. I think they're all priced really appropriately for the amount of content in each one. I do too. If you're a type of person who likes a challenge, who likes speed running type stuff, if you like Kaizo hacks, if you like Super, uh, Super Monkey Ball like Seth, then I think you'll really dig what they have going on here from Daku Creations because, again, these games got me. And this is something we haven't even brought this up yet, but this is something that I think really, really solidifies the experience. And this is something that you specifically mentioned to me, Seth, is one of the things the somewhat dumbed-downed visual style does allow for is instant load times. Yes. So... You're going to be dying hundreds of times. However, it is an instant, instant respawn. Not a one second, not a two second, not a three second load time. It is an instant respawn. And that does wonders, absolute wonders for a game like this. If if there was even just a two second, mm-hmm. just a two second respawn time, that's more than enough time for me to wonder, nah, I think that's been too many tries. I'm going to go ahead and turn this game off. But when you literally bounce a brand new character right back down into the stage in less than the amount of time it takes to snap your fingers. You're like, all right, one more run, right? The whole one more run mentality got me absolutely addicted to these games for a couple nights. I was doing dozens and dozens of runs, but the size of the stage, the relative smallness of the stage keeps them incredibly approachable despite being very difficult, very precise, very difficult. But the size of the stage and the instant load times really sell. Well, that the size of the stage, the instant load times and the tightness of the controls. Yeah. Those three together really sell the the difficulty and how approachable a difficult game like this can be. Yeah. And I, I honestly just became more and more impressed with it. The more time I spent with each of these, games. I did too. Like really did. Yeah. I started playing it. Not super impressed with the visual style. It had a lot of personality, but you know, it, it kind of felt a little plain at the offset, but the more I played it, like I said, man, it just got me. Yeah. It got me. For, for it being created, for all of these being created by just two people, especially looking at Rotun Rebound, knowing that was just created by two people, that's a heck of an achievement for two people. Well done, gentlemen. Yeah, and self-published too. Like I just, I, I really do applaud these guys. And for sticking with their original vision, for being like, you know what? No, we have something here. And like, I, you know, we, we had these missteps or whatever with the original release on Wii U, but we're going to take it back to the drawing board and we're going to give the people something worth talking about. And I'm just, I'm really glad to be sitting here and talking about it. I am too. I mean, after I've played all three, I'm genuinely interested in what the next Chubbin experience, the next Rotund game 
is going to look like. So at the very, I mean, that's all you can really ask for at the end of the day. So guys, name it, name it, roll ton, uh, Rotun rollout, because I keep calling it that by accident. <laughs> so name the next one, name the fourth one, Rotun rollout. So I'll actually not be misspeaking when I say it on accident. <laughs> Put some respect on their name. Seth. Get I know. It right. I just, I don't know why I just keep calling it Rotun rollout. <laughs> But again, Rotun Zero just dropped a couple days ago. Rotun Rebound came out just last week. Are you guys going to check them out? Again, if you're into challenging but incredibly fair games, we think you should. Definitely let us know. If you do, reach out to us on Facebook. Reach out to us on Twitter. Join the conversation over on Discord and let us know how many times you died in the first world. But yeah, it made perfect sense for a game like Rotund Zero to come out this past Thursday because it was the 33rd anniversary of the original release of Nintendo's iconic handheld, the 33rd anniversary of the original Game Boy. And uh, I mean, it's a it's a system that both Seth and I have incredibly fond memories of. And as a matter of fact, we have a good friend who has quite a few fond memories of it as well but uh, you guys remember that concert that i was talking about earlier (laughs) so that was a christmas present again like i said from my sister and unfortunately it created a pretty singular scheduling conflict for me this past week and as much as it pained me to do that I wasn't able to, again, as much as it hurt, I wasn't able to, but Seth, you were able to catch up with our very good friend this past Thursday. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you were missed obviously, but I mean, look, um, Sean Capri and I, Sean Capri, of course, of the newly rebranded carpool gaming, uh, had a great conversation about the game boy, kind of our personal histories with it. And, um, you know, of course we got into the development history of the game boy and we also started talking about, you know, weird junk that, that was just kind of nostalgic things like, uh, you know, Jinko jeans and, Walkman and you know we we just we we got into it man so uh you were definitely missed but I was definitely um you know we we were more than happy to uh to pick up the reins and carpool together and talk about the Game Boy so let's take a listen to that right now guys I am so thrilled to be joined tonight by the one and only the the king of the new the newly rebranded carpool gaming Sean like Connery Capri like the pants Sean Capri. Sean, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks, dude. Uh, hardly a king of anything, to be honest with you. Maybe a king of uh, the McDonald's drive-thru. I've got my uh, empty <laughs> empty large Diet Coke from earlier today. I've got a fresh large Diet Coke here. Maybe Holy some water moly. to balance things out. My bladder is getting the workout, really, if I'm being honest with you. But... um. I got to say, Seth, like, it's just nice that we both just do like some podcasting and stuff, because then it's just the excuse for us to hang out for a half an hour before this very right? moment. And then yeah. God knows what else the <laughs> evening has in store for us. You know, this is just amazing. Chill. I've just been laughing the whole time. Yeah, it's I, we're, we're just hanging out at this point. Honestly, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I I felt I feel like we're uh, we're doing like a We the Gamer cast or something right now. We're just chilling. We're it's just, just like sweet that. Hanks. It's almost like that show is just a conversation anyway. So it's like hardly even a show. It's about nothing, really. Let's be honest. The show about nothing. Tap show into about that nothing. Seinfeld model. Yeah, oh, I thought I made that up. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> I guess kind of taken. 
Well, dude, I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I definitely, like, one of the reasons, I mean, first of all, I knew you are a big Game Boy fan. I had a brain blast when we were th- thinking about doing this segment this week, because the Game Boy turned 33, so deal with that information however you will. <laughs> well, you must uh, celebrate a 33rd anniversary. <laughs> Everybody knows this is the oh, one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the, you know, the uh, the silver and a half year anniversary exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I swear, I remember... Sean saying that he's a big Game Boy fan. Yeah. And I, I like I like dug back through my DMs and I and I found this this uh this thing with you saying you're a Game Boy fan. I'm like, okay, well that's it. Sean just rebranded all of his stuff. He's a Game Boy fan. I'm inviting Sean on yeah. for this one. So dude, um tell me a little bit about carpool gaming. Tell me about the rebrand. Like, why'd you do it? What's kind of what's the new focus for you guys and everything you're doing right now? Man, it's a loaded question. I appreciate you having me on and appreciate you letting me chat about carpool gaming and everything a little bit here. It's um, I, I'll give you maybe the medium version of it because maybe the, the shortest version is like I I am chaotic in my brain and I can't be doing the exact same thing for for too long. So I'm always going to be thinking about like what's next and what can we do better or more or whatever. So um, yeah, we've been we've been operating kind of under the Yumi Capri kind of banner of podcasts and everything, whatever you wanted to call it. But even as I'm telling you that it's like, I recognize that it was it was hard to communicate. What what is Yumi Capri? What does that even mean? Um, mm. It doesn't really scream gaming to anybody if you're not already part of the community or if you're not already listening to the shows. Um, I, I would actually hear other people tell others about Yumi Capri, and it's like I heard them struggle to communicate what it was. So that was part of it um, I, that kind of prompted a bit of a rebrand. And I always kind of felt that it was a little narcissistic of me to have like my name. <laughs> you know, front and center or whatever, sure. you know, it, it, <laughs> it was always that. meant as, it was always meant as a little kind of cutesy take on Yumi and Dupree, which I'm shocked at that as many people seem to know that reference. I, I was like, this is that <laughs> stupid little movie from like the mid two thousands, I think. <laughs> and so it, like, it was always like a cutesy little thing, but it, it, I, I always felt like it, it kind of marginalized and diminished the efforts of like Ryan Turford and everybody else who, mm. um, especially Ryan, like just does so much work behind the scenes, like producing all the shows and posting everything. And it's like, well, like I'm loud enough. I don't need my name at the front and center of all this stuff. So I I was looking for different ways to maybe replace that that namesake, which was a bit of a, a loaded even thought process. Um, it was an emotional kind of day rebranding to Carpool Gaming when we finally revealed to, to everybody because um, Yumi Capri started with Bobby Paul's. And I right. started that with the Nintendo guru who passed away of COVID last year, a little over a year ago. And I often brought it up with him. I'm like, you, if anything, he should have been the namesake. It should have been like the Nintendo guru and friends kind of thing. Like I should have been like the sidecar kind of thing. Cause Bobby was, he was the dude, man. He was the guy. And he, the one thing that I always love about him is that he, he made my name the thing. Like what, a, what an awesome guy. Cause he was, like I said, he was he was the Nintendo guru. Everybody knew him. I was along for the ride. And I always I always tell people like I love being his number two. You know, like I I I feel like in some cases, especially in content creation, like a lot of egos can get involved and like you kind of jockey for position and and a yes. sidekick might get a little like jealous of like this other person getting all the Sure. And I, and I never felt that way. And I, I remember making a very conscious decision. I'm just so like people would kill 
to be in my spot, to be like just alongside Bobby and get to do all these things with him. Like I just counted my blessings on that front. So we operated with Bobby under the Yumi Capri thing. And when he passed away, we decided to continue that on, refresh and rebrand with launching new shows, the Nintendo Drive, the PlayStation Drive, alongside what was already existing with the Xbox Drive and we the GamerCast, which I already had been doing for many, many years. And you had been on that show uh, we mm-hmm. launched a show called the RPG Cave, which is a bit of a just the dorkiest weekly show, just diving into all of the role playing games you could ever imagine. And um, yeah, it was about last summer, last fall, when I kind of realized maybe a different direction is is what's needed. So we looked at what that might look like, and also just the namesake was one piece, but then also like what else were we missing? And I never felt like we had a really strong visual brand to it, or consistently like. Um, manifest across all of our channels, our Twitters and our, and our YouTube and everything. So I felt like brand mm. and and visuals was was lacking, but I saw others doing it really, really well. Um, and then also merch. I, 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 we, ha- we are so lucky because we have just this really engaged and warm and compassionate and supportive community, um, but we weren't giving them ways to show support in more than, way, more than just the Patreon. And um, so I felt like not having a merch store was a was a pretty big miss. Uh, and and truth be told, we did have a merch store, but it was awful. Like it was just not good. So we didn't talk about it ever. We didn't really promote it. So we wanted a brand, wanted merch, wanted to kind of maybe move past Yumi Capri and stuff. And it all kind of like whipped together by bringing in Console Cato, one of the absolute, I don't say this to be just blown smoke. She is one of the best YouTubers on YouTube.com. She's brilliant. Um, absolutely yeah. incredible uh, Animal Crossing channel with uh, just crossed over 100,000 subscribers. Like that doesn't happen by accident. She's quietly no. one of the most hardworking people in the indie content scene and has quickly become just like the person, especially in, in Animal Crossing. So I'm like, well, you are talented and we've become very good friends just by doing the Nintendo drive over. So I wanted to bring her in kind of at that like ownership level at the Patreon and right. tap her for you're in charge of merch and you're in charge of brand. Cause that's clearly like among many other things, that's what she was strong at, and she continues to be strong at, and that's what we need. And then the other side of it was, if you ever looked at our Twitter, our social game was awful. It was, we were asking for questions all the time. That was it. We weren't really engaging at all. Um, so we felt like our social game and community management could t- could take a little bit of a step up. And that's where Court Lalonde came in. So we brought him in. So we're checking off the boxes. I'm going to continue doing a 14 different shows. Ryan is going to continue doing his his production. Um, we, we relaunched this carpool gaming. We just... Uh, I think we almost doubled our our Patreon. I'm going to be writing a book about this whole thing because holy crap are you serious one of our goals was like our highest most ambitious we'll never do this in a million years was um I'll write a book and we hit that before before two three hours into the thing like so yeah yeah like it's it's wild man like it's a it, it for the first time I'm sitting here thinking okay how could I think we might be onto something here like I think this yeah. is I think this is something. I've been pretty cautious and hesitant to let my like like get my get ahead of myself on that front. Over the last couple of years, I've always thought, yeah, it would be amazing, wouldn't that be cool? But it'll never happen. And for the very first time, I'm 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 starting to believe it myself, like all on my yes. own, not somebody else saying, like, you guys should do it. And I'm I've always been appreciative of people being very kind to say that, but in my own head, I'm like, we we could be onto something here, so it's very exciting, man. So I appreciate you the chance to explore oh, that a little man. bit with you, man. And it's it's still very new. I'm still tingling from it a little bit, but it's it's awesome, man. That's 
we're lucky to get to do this together for sure. So cool, dude. I, I love that so much. I, I love a, a, I love a few things about this. I, I just, I got to pick this apart a little bit because I, I love that, you know, talking about Bobby and, 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 you know, just like that's, that's the most like Bobby Paul's thing of all time right? to be the partner and be like, let me name this after the partner. You right. know what I mean? Like that's the most Bobby Paul's thing ever. He was, mm-hmm. Bobby was the world's biggest Sean Capri fan. Like that's so obvious, you know? And then to take that into, into also like reevaluate your own thing after doing this for so long, you and I have talked about this several times, just like when you're when you're doing this stuff for so long like what does it mean anymore you have to take a step back yeah. and see the forest from the trees you know what i mean um so i i think that's so awesome and now you've got kind of and and you're able to reevaluate what your content means to you because now you've got the the team at your back man you've got Ryan and Kato and now Court and you know you you've got all this stuff behind you so i i just think that's awesome you've kind of recontextualized what your own content means to you. Yeah, man. Well, and, and the one thing that well, that I, I kind of centered on quite a long time ago was that it is about friendship and community. And it sounds mm-hmm. like these are just buzzwords and whatever else, but it's like, if that's what I'm actually after, like if I'm seeking good times with good friends and all those kind of things and, and wins right. there, then I'm actually not chasing what maybe I might, it might appear that I'm chasing. It's just, that comes along with it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm centered with, really awesome people. I get to chat with you. I get to have these kind of moments. I get um, now a team and we have, it's not just Ryan and I, where we're kind of like splitting responsibilities. I like, we have four of us in our, in our own like little secret discord chat and it's just buzzing all the time. And it's so rewarding to see an idea kind of sprout to life. And then everybody knows their role and everybody's super motivated to just make it awesome. Everybody feels like we might be onto something here. So it's, it's nice to have that, that spread out a little bit. So yeah, man, this this is it. This is the the motivational feel good. If you want to do the thing, (laughs) it's never, nothing in life is a guarantee, but I feel like you and I connect on this kind of thing. We think about things pretty critically and um, we're just trying to make it work, man. So, and having fun the whole time. So yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's what it's all about, dude. It's, it's just about going for it. I mean, we can't, we, we can't let a day go by, you know what I mean? That, that was no the doubt. big thing. That was, that was the big thing that I think we all sort of learned with Bobby is like, mm-hmm. we, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed and, and we, we just have to be on our grind and making this happen for ourselves, man. Yep. So proud of you, dude. Thanks, Thanks for, uh, for coming on and talking about it. And, um, yeah, we just, we're, we're going to have links to everything carpool gaming, of course, in the episode description for y'all to go and, uh, and show your support for, uh, for Sean and Cato and Ryan and court and everything they're doing. It's, um, it's awesome, man. So, um, anyway, hard pivot. We're since, since we're doing the carpool thing, you're, you're, you know, you're very familiar with the drive metaphors. Let's take a hard, yes, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, Talk about California talk about lane change, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, we'll we'll actually, you know, look over our shoulder before we do it at least, and not uh, <laughs> safety. Not first. have anything crazy. Yeah, safety first. <laughs> We're all buckled up here, right? Exactly. We're all obeying the law. Um, so let's let's turn back the clock a little bit. Tell me about um about the Game Boy and kind of like what it means to you. I mean, you're a little bit. I think you're a few years older than I am because the Game Boy <laughs> released. April 21st, 1989, again, 33 years ago. So it, yeah. it released the same year I did. So 
yeah. I, I didn't get I didn't get the kind of like first you know day one experience or whatever. I mean, how did you first come into contact with the Game Boy? Yeah, you're being you're being generous with the age difference, but I'll I'll roll with it. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it, man. Well, a little bit of context on this is that um, we weren't really allowed to have consoles in the house, like like TV okay. consoles. That was that was a bit of a it's not going to happen. And I think like. Part of it probably was that they they cost a lot of money. Um, I remember just like seeing like a hundred dollar price tag. Like, who the heck has a hundred dollars? That's just not that's not happening. Um, and the other side of it too is that our neighbors had all the games. So I think from our parents' perspective, they went like, "Why would we buy it when they can just go next door?" We'd pop been, over there, dude. We'd been best yeah. friends with that that household since like we moved in. Like, they, I don't have a memory in my life where we weren't best friends with that family. So I think that might have been part of it. So consoles were not a thing. Um, I think my, my parents were just like, they really wanted us to focus on education. So if we were playing video games, it was on a computer um, because the computer was brought in for homework. And, but dude, I remember that that first day. First thing we ever did on that thing was play a terrible version of, of Pac-Man, kind of like the Atari PC port. It was absolutely yes, brutal so bad totally and you're playing with a <laughs> with a gigantic keyboard weighs 20 pounds on this brutal screen but in any case not the point uh, but we weren't allowed to have consoles so so nes came and kind of went and we we didn't really have it super nintendo wasn't going to be happening genesis all that kind of stuff wasn't going to happen um but i had started to like save up some money from like birthdays and stuff like that and I think this was one of the first times that I really realized that I could even do that. And if there was a rule in the house that mom and dad weren't going to be buying something, then I could, you know, scrape together some cash and maybe put it together. You start to do the negotiations for birthday presents. Like if I do this and maybe it could be a birthday and Christmas thing, you start to put things together. So this was, this is how I got a Game Boy actually. And it was not the original gray brick. It was when they started to come out um, same size, but they started to come out in those different colors. So um, right. green, yellow, red, I, there may be in blue as well. I think they had a black as well, but I had a green one. So I scraped together a whole bunch of money and made a deal that this was going to be maybe part of a birthday present. And back then, like Best Buy wasn't even here. Like you didn't have like a dedicated like video game store. Like we didn't even really have, at least in my city, like we didn't have EB Games or GameStop or anything. So we went to a grocery store with a photography, like a photo lab where you'd get, where you would take in your old cameras and you'd develop your rolls of film and everything. It was in that sort of quasi electronic section of the supermarket that you'd go into the back and they've got a little, little glass case full of video games. They'd have the NES there. They'd have the little zapper and right next to it. I can, I can, I love this memory. Like it's, it's right in my brain, like walking down to the, to the, um, to that glass desk that we had done hundreds of times before while mom was taking in her, her photos to get developed and everything. We're sitting there just like dreaming one day. Wouldn't it be amazing to get these games and your hands are on the glass, leaving just like disgusting, mm-hmm. gross kid fingerprints all over the place. <laughs> and then it comes your turn. And it was my dad who drove me. It was the place is called Superstore, which is hilarious because they made a show of it uh, many years later. <laughs> It's a real Canadian superstore. Dad, dad drove me over there. We were in his, I don't know, 1978 Volkswagen Rabbit, green exterior, green oh interior, God. just lovely, lovely piece of machinery. Go there, uh, and and it's like it was kind of like, do you ever see Wayne's World when he's dreaming oh, about yeah. the Fender Stratocaster? And he's yes. like, it will be that's mine. Totally, what oh, it yes, is. yes, it will be mine. Yeah, this was that's a, it's like exactly, but it was before Wayne. It was actually maybe right around the time of Wayne's World. Um, 
but that that was really the experience. I had looked at this it many, many times. This is the most late 80s story I've ever heard in my life. I love it. <laughs> it's an, I love like, it. Can't you like smell the story? It's like, oh, oh yeah, man. dude. Uh, it smells like leaded paint and I don't even know what mullets. <laughs> I, I what love this. it, dude. Uh, yeah, so I picked it up. I had a green Game Boy and I had enough money to pick up a game as well. It came in a in like a clear kind of square-ish kind of case. Um, so I got a green Game Boy and a yellow Donkey Kong Land cartridge. And that was my, yeah. that's what I, that's what I took home and instantly came to love and hate the four batteries that you threw in the back, the contrast little dial on the side, especially mm-hmm. with a game like Donkey Kong Land. Like there was just so much graphics on the screen. You, you really had to figure out what lighting you'd actually be able to like play that thing with. Um, but it was, it was special, man. You, you fire that thing up that the, the ding and the red light on the side. And then the music for Donkey Kong land kind of like that eight bit make the, the dot matrix version, the little speaker out the side playing what you mm-hmm. knew from Donkey Kong country, but it was in your hands. And the only other time I remember feeling like that was 30 years later playing breath of the wild on the switch where you're like, I cannot believe this is in my hands right now. Yes. And it was so basic and so like not really all that impressive, but the memory is there for me, man. Like that's a very, very potent and and unforgettable moment in my life for sure. Oh man. I, I love that you that you make because I was gonna make this corollary anyway between the Game Boy and the Switch. Cause I think oh, yeah. there's there's a lot of like connective tissue between those two systems for sure. For me and people who have listened to this show for a while know uh, my uncle Aaron well by this point. My uncle Aaron is shout outs to my uncle Aaron. He is the one that introduced me to all of this stuff. I love it. And um and, and so you know I I kind of throughout my entire life up until I would say N sixty four or so or Super Nintendo maybe. It was it was getting his hand me downs. It was yeah. getting the stuff when the new thing came out. I got the old thing. I got last year's model. You know yeah. what I mean. So when Game Boy Color came out, it's like here's my old Game Boy. You know what I mean. When when Game Boy Advance came that's out, here's decent. my old Game Boy Color. Mm-hmm. You know. So that that's kind of what it was. And um, and I remember getting his his Game Boy and like for me. And we can talk about specific games and stuff, but like that was the moment where it crystallized for me because I've always been a big Zelda fan. Zelda's the first, maybe the first memory I have, period, is playing The Legend of Zelda That's on NES. Awesome. Like, memory literally. period of life, like not just video game memory, I, like your yes. first. Oh, that's, that's, yes. that's awesome. I think that's my earliest like life memory period is cool. The Legend of Zelda. Um, and so when I played Link's Awakening on that thing, that was the moment for me where I was like, oh my God, like yeah, I can have an experience like this in the backseat of my mom's car. You know what I mean? Like that's when it crystallized for me. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and, and I think there is a huge connective tissue between Game Boy and Switch because yeah. the, the Game Boy represents a period in Nintendo where, and this is like the most you know, Nintendo thing is like, you know, we don't necessarily have to push for power or graphics or whatever. We just have to make something that's fun and appeals to that wide market, you know? And like, and that's what the switch is. You're seeing them do that today. Yeah. You know, and multiple units per household as well. Like the whole, you have a brother and a sister or two brothers, whatever it was. Like you had many, you even had like, I feel like there's a pretty famous picture of like Hillary Clinton, playing Tetris on a plane or something on a Game Boy. Like, oh the, like it was, yeah. you're right. Like the, the, the comparative to the switch is it, 
it's kind of like we as well. Like they, they landed right. on hitting everybody with this, with this thing. And they just kept, man, talk about like a lifespan. When we talk about the switch being like, is it, is it halfway through? Are they done with the switch? You look at, look at the game boy. Like how many years were they doing that thing for? Like three <laughs> yeah. console generations. They just kept making consoles and yeah. Game gear came out. They're like, yeah, nice try. You can have your color yeah. screen and whatever else doesn't matter. You know, they just had it just had great games. And I'm uh, I'm reminded that Donkey Kong Land came out in 1995. As I think about um, Super Nintendo, which obviously Donkey Kong Country came out first. Donkey Kong Land was after yeah, yeah. that. At that point in time, I would have been delivering flyers for about two years. I was working since I was eight years old, actually. So wow. and I had I got half of every paycheck at the time. Half of it went into an education fund, which my parents were geniuses about and i hated them for it because all i wanted to do was buy pogs and they took half of all my money <laughs> um but i was i was putting this money away so yeah i would have been working at that time and taking money from christmas and birthdays and you know delivering newspapers and whatever and that's how i that's how i cobbled it together it was a few years after i got a I got a discman for the first time you know like a no anti-skip but that's a whole other it's a whole other conversation oh my god I love this. The, 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 every now and then, I told the story of um of my first brush with Monkey Island like a few weeks ago on the show, and I thought that was like the most kind of like childhood Goonies kind of story. No, this is this like <laughs> beats the crap out of that. This is so good, man. You just need an old man um, like me, <laughs> dude. Um, I and, and again, like I think that it totally crystallizes, you know, kind of Nintendo's. Um, thought process with with a lot of their stuff, and they and you you bring up the Wii. The Wii's another good example of this. The, another example of like you know we we just need to make something that plays games that are good and games that people want to play, yeah. and make this as accessible as possible. We don't need to worry about power graphics. We can cut down on costs or know. three buttons <laughs> at an A and yeah, a B or- button, dude. Like it was so simple. <laughs> yeah. Is the most simple thing imaginable, mm-hmm. and and like and you're right. It had like such a long lifespan. You look at things like you know the modern version of this is something like the Vita, and like I love the Vita, right? Yeah. But the Vita can't compete with the 3DS because Nintendo taps into that thing. You know, it taps yeah. into that thing that Nintendo's always done. I mean, they are a toy company. You know, yeah. like that's that's where they started. They they started making toys to appeal to everybody. They're they're in the service of, of fun. They're they're in yeah. the business of fun. They, I, I hear a lot of people say that sort of thing too, but I also want to add on, I don't want to replace it, but I want to add on to it. They are certainly a toy company and they focus on fun, but they are also an IP factory um, right. in the best way possible. That might even marginalize it a little bit as well, but like they just have so much at their disposal and in a way that like Mario was everywhere. Everybody would kill to have a Mario and you could see that everybody trying to come up with some sort of like version of it. Sonic is a version of this. Crash is a version of it. Everybody tried to have their mascot and it's so critical. It's like, dude, like (laughs) even like Echo the Dolphin, like they, everybody tried to do like something, but they was like Mario and Link and, and then Pokemon of course came along and Wario. Like they just Mm -hmm. kept every time they introduced something new, it stuck the landing. And that's what they're able to build off of now. But you saw that in the game boy days and Xbox hasn't done their homework on that. PlayStation arguably is like kind of getting there, but, and maybe doing it in their own way finally, which is kind of neat to see. But yeah, they are definitely like they're focused on fun, but they can, you can, if you don't buy any third party on a Nintendo system, you're still going to have a good time. 
you can have more than enough to play because they've just been like cranking out these things and they're and that nintendo quality like that we used to look for it the nintendo seal of quality that was a big deal because everything else was garbage mm-hmm. and this was this it actually meant something so yeah it was a, it's a, it was an interesting time and two buttons lasted us a long time the thing was so basic but so great that we went to crazy lengths just to keep playing it we would attach oh we would attach all the accessories that were not cheap the worm light all <laughs> yeah dude, like, they, they needed more batteries like it's just how much what have we done to this planet Back in the late 80s, <laughs> early 90s, with just these batteries after batteries, just throwing them out, man. <laughs> it's probably, in a landfill somewhere. Thanks yeah. a lot, Game Boy. <laughs> like that's this, the is this the legacy of the Game Boy? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I try to, when we do a retrospective, it's always funny because I try to keep it the, this sort of like conversational, personal stories. But I do, I do want to learn y'all something a little bit about about the Game Boy and the sort of like history of the development of it. Cause you can't talk about the Game Boy without talking about Gunpei Yokoi. Um, and, and I don't know how much you know about Gunpei Yokoi, Sean. I feel like I've talked um, a lot about the Game Boy without talking about whatever word you just <laughs> said. <laughs> <laughs> Gunpei Yokoi is like the, the father of the Game Boy. And, um, sadly he, he passed away. Um, he was only 56 when he passed away. So he, um, he passed away pretty early in life, which, Seems to be, I mean, that's like this almost the exact same age that Iwata was when he passed away. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like crazy the way that works, but um, he was the one, he, he was kind of like the innovator at, at Nintendo in those early days, and he was a toy maker. Like, that was the thing about Gunpei Yokoi. Um, when Hiroshi Yamauchi, who was the president of Nintendo at that time, um, was doing the kind of like literally the factory walks. Like, he would do the walks on the assembly line, looking at the people working on toys, and there's Gunpei Yokoi messing with this little toy of his own design which then became the ultra hand which Mm -hmm. was you know like kind of nintendo's big first hit in the toy market and that was when yamauchi is sort of like we we've got a real talent here and he would go on to do all the weird nintendo junk that like people dig up from their history like the love tester and crap like that (laughs) like that was him and so when it came time because the game boy was not even the first um, handheld electronic device by far people yeah. were doing it even in the 70s I mean like all these all these people like um, Mattel and stuff like this yeah, like Tiger making Tiger exactly mm-hmm. making these like old school handheld gaming devices but um, Gunpei Yokoi was the the kind of like mastermind behind it and you know he he took risks he had his failures he had his for every you know Game Boy there's a Virtual Boy and there's a oh. Wonder a Wonder Swan and you know but um, but he he was the father of that man. So I mean, I, I got to give credit where it's due with uh, with Gunpei Yokoi and just like the the things he added to this whole conversation and and like in the face of adversity too, because um, he pitched that name um, alongside. This is a funny little tidbit. The name was conceived by Yokoi and Shigesato Itoi, who's the Earthbound guy, the mother guy. Um, so. They come up with this name together and like it got made fun of like oh, in yeah, Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> like they were like this is stupid. Mm-hmm. This is a stupid name. Apparently, I was reading about this. Apparently they would um internally refer to it as Dame game, which is Japanese for like hopeless, useless. And so that that's kind of funny it's sad. and then you know they 
and kind of sad, like useless game or whatever. And, you know, they, they end up going through with it though, um, due to Nintendo of America's kind of marketing input and stuff. And the, you know, the, the kind of decision to bundle this thing with Tetris, yeah. which was huge. I mean, t- I mean, Tetris on Game Boy is still like one of the best versions of Tetris for mm-hmm. my money. Yeah. Like it's, it's awesome. So had to, had to kind of like give credit to the OG Gunpei Yokoi and, um, and tell you guys a little bit about the history of the development. Cause it's, it's one of the more interesting, I think Nintendo console development stories, um, going from toy to game. So really cool. Uh, Sean, what are some of your favorite Game Boy games, dude? Man, oh, I got to say, like, I got to give that shout out to Donkey Kong Land, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But Super Mario Land 2, the six golden coins is like right oh up God. there next to it. And it's, the funny thing is, like, back in those days, games were so challenging, at least for me, that I rarely saw the end of them. Um, but I saw the end of Super Mario Land 2 a lot. Like, I played and replayed that game a ton. It was, and it's very easy. Like, it's very, it's very cutesy. Um, and actually very much in the spirit of the late eighties, early nineties of sequels of all games, like didn't look anything at all. Like super Mario land, super Mario land, like the original one looked like it was them trying to just miniaturize a Mario game. And they, they sure did, man. I think Mario's like two and a half pixels tall in that thing. And you're trying to, (laughs) you're trying to squash these Goombas that are just like specs, um, it just made sure that that old people couldn't play it. You know, our parents weren't allowed to play the <laughs> right. game because it was too small to see. So you had to have your young your young children eyes. Um, but Super Mario Land 2, the six golden coins is definitely up there. Um, and right alongside it was actually it was Wario Land for me. Um, played yeah. an absolute time. Wario was such a weird character that I don't, and I wonder what would it would what it would be like if they tried to launch a character like Wario now, where like for us anyways, we're maybe a little bit more discerning. We were kind of like, ah, it's kind of silly. It's kind of dumb. But like back then it's like, all right, Bizarro World Mario. Sure. Like you just, you turn the W, the, the M upside down into a W. He's got a weird mustache. He's even fatter. He's a yeah. bad guy, anti-hero kind of thing. But he has such a cool mechanic with his little dash, like his little barge kind of thing. His own yeah. set of moves. Wario Land was, um, that's kind of where I, where I spent a lot of my time was Donkey Kong Land, Wario Land, Super Mario Land 2, a lot of all the lands. Kirby's Dream Land 2 was another cart that I mm-hmm. still I still have it in very, very good shape. And um, really nice. Kirby was an interesting one because because I was playing on like a monochromatic screen. There's no color. Um, I was shocked to learn years later that Kirby was pink. I had absolutely <laughs> no idea. I'm like, what is what is that? Like, what did he what did he eat? But, Kirby's a pink character. Even like, in the old, even in the old box art, though, I think he was black and white. No, yeah, like, the, in the original one, then? in Kirby's Dreamland yeah. one, yes, Kirby's Dreamland two, he he was then pink, and I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> I, had, I had no, I, I had no idea. But you know, when I think about all the games that I was playing, I have to remember just the like what things, what what the, what the times were like back then, which was very right. different from now. Where now, you and I, we probably just bought three games in the last three, like. 30 minutes by accident like we've probably right. just got like game, i think actually i think that happened nintendo switch online just added three sega games to our Literally, service like, yeah. that, so that actually did happen <laughs> we we just got three games we didn't even have we didn't to even do know anything. about it didn't have to do anything <laughs> to do it so my, my point is proven instantly but that was not the case then so i didn't have like a giant library but so like the games that i had turned out to be kind of my favorite games um sure but as i'm remembering like nba jam uh, tournament edition i also had on on oh, game man. boy as well and yeah. that was 
that was pretty dang special. I remember having a memory going uh, on a family vacation and I had my my Game Boy with NBA Jam, TE, and a bunch of Goosebumps books. And if that's not the 90s, yes. I don't know what is, yes. dude. I had a bunch of like I had a bunch of Goosebumps books on on, on that trip with me and yeah, that's that's right up the year. I love oh this stuff, God. man. It's so cool. Oh my God. I was thinking about this. Um, I was talking about this on Twitter with, uh, with a buddy of mine, like literally last night or something. I have this idea in my head. This is apropos of nothing and totally <laughs> tangential, but I have this idea in my head. I would love to do, I even have a name for it. I want to call it book club 97. And I, it, it just, just like a reread podcast of like goosebumps and animorphs yes. and like all this stuff. So anyway, that's oh, that's so apropos good. nothing. You brought up Goosebumps, so I had to I had to walk through that door. You opened yeah. there. Um, I feel like I had like a Tiny Toons game, maybe, but it's definitely not my favorite. I'm just kind of like, yeah, like yeah. Li- like licensed games on Game Boy. I mean, maybe a mixed bag is probably the best way to more accurate way to say. It, but I, I remember having some pretty good memories of those games for sure. But I I did I missed play Pokemon. Like I'm I'm maybe people are waiting did for me you to say really? Pokemon. I did I did not like I'm old. I'm old man. And when by the time Pokemon really came out, it was I was on TV. And I just felt like it was for like my younger sister who was like three years younger than me. And that was the difference that all, that's all it took. If you were three, if, if you were six, if you were, let's say you're nine and you've got like a five-year-old brother, it's like, that's a huge difference. It you doesn't know? sound like a lot, right? But it really is. Yeah. 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 So I, I missed just Pokemon. Those few years. Yeah. It wasn't up until maybe the last year or so. Pokemon Go was my my on-ramp and I, I wanted to get back into it. But yeah, Tetris, of course, was in there. But um, if you're waiting for me to get to Pokemon, I, I didn't have it. On, yeah. On wow. Game Boy. Yeah. That's funny, man. Yeah. I, I think that, um, yeah, you're right. It's a total generational thing, right? But I, like I said, me, you know, growing up playing the hand-me-down stuff, the Super Mario Land stuff was, by the way, speaking of Super Mario Land, I have long petitioned for Tatanga to come back as like to rework Tatanga as a villain, yes. just this weird little alien and a UFO. Like how, how do you make Mario Galaxy and not have Tatanga in there, by the way? Like that was a huge rumor. I was on, oh my God, Sean, this is so nerdy. I was, I was on a Mario fan forum before Galaxy came out and there was a huge rampant rumor that Tatanga was going to be the ultimate villain of Mario Galaxy. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So I, oh, it's bad, dude. I was, I, I've written Mario fan fiction in my past. Yes. Yeah, it's, bad. it's bad, dude. Um, so big shout outs like you, um, to Mario land, Mario land two, especially, um, special, special game. Um, again, I've already talked about Link's awakening and I know one thing that I love about Link's awakening is that now, like with the new remake on switch and everything, everybody's kind of getting to experience that game the way it's meant to, you know, like meant to be experienced, like the way that it's kind of, it's, it's so much more streamlined to be able to experience that like personal kind of story. And that, that little, that little world that was in your pocket, dude, like I'll never that, that feeling of having that little world in your pocket is, I mean, that is so special to me. Like I'll never forget what that felt like as a, you know, as a lifelong Zelda fan. It's a weird thing. Um, it's a, it's this weird thing that that happened with Game Boy where bigger games were better on the smaller hardware in this weird way because right. you could take it with you. You could go on your long road trips and everything and you'd have that dedicated time. I don't think like I didn't 
I feel like Final Fantasy games were on here. Like I didn't have any Final Fantasy games yeah. on 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 Game Boy. I either. didn't play those either. I was yeah. too dumb. I was way too dumb for <laughs> for Final Fantasy <laughs> games. I'm like, I don't understand this. Is but every time that when I when I podcast with somebody who's like a genius, you got like Garrett Bland PhD over here, and everybody's got their right. master's degrees, and it's like, well, what's the common denominator? Well, they grew up playing Pokemon and Final Fantasy games, like just reading and systems. And reading. They were, yeah, man, that was I, I, which is completely the opposite of what what everybody was talking about and saying with that, like video games were going to rot your brain and they're going to ruin you and blah, blah, blah. It's like completely the opposite. And man, could yeah. people have been more wrong about that sort of thing back then? They're pretty sure about it too. Yeah. I, I mean, I played a lot of, for me, like RPGs came in when, when it was like PS one era, stuff like that. Yeah. I wasn't really playing stuff like that on game boy. You know, game boy was almost like a more, arcadey i guess sort of experience um another one that people latch on to now but um but i remember really loving it when i was playing it on my uncle's game boy is donkey kong donkey kong 94 oh, yeah yeah um and people are latching onto that now people are kind of in re- in retrospect they're like oh my god this is like one of the best donkey kong games but no seriously that's one of the best donkey kong games <laughs> yeah like man. It's so good, mm-hmm. and um, that's one of those. If if slash when they do wind up bringing Game Boy to NSO, which you know I'm, I'm sure you saw all these leaks that were going on oh my earlier gosh, this week dude, and whatnot. Yes. It's like these are the games that we need on this service, dude. Well, like, one of the things we said on the Nintendo Drive that, like, as much as I'm excited about that, I'm a little bit bummed because um, we were getting. Uh, NES mini consoles. We we're getting Super Nintendo little mini consoles, right. and wouldn't it be awesome for them to give us like a, a Game Boy with a little screen on it and thirty cherry picked games from that sort of thing that we would absolutely mod and dump a bunch of ROMs onto <laughs> as well? Like, <laughs> yeah. like maybe we've already done with these other two things. But yeah, it's great to have on. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 a friend of mine maybe did it. I'm a little jealous of what they did, not me. Absolutely not me. Right. But yeah, I mean, now they're they're probably coming to Switch, and that's probably for the best. But yeah, I I would like to have a little, little, just memento, you know? Because I have my, um, we're talking, I think, before we started recording, I've got my my Game Boy Advance SP handy. It's in the next room over there. But I'm actually not Mm -hmm. entirely positive where my green Game Boy is. I think it's at my, I think it's at my parents' house. But I would love to have, and I'm not sure if we're going to get to this later. I've come completely unprepared. no, yeah. Game Boy Pocket is one of my favorite handhelds of all time. Like the form factor for that. Um, really? Oh, yeah. I just, I felt like, like, dude, that brick, when you think about the brick and then you go to the pocket, it's like, it's like when you got like a Motorola Razor cell phone for the first time. Like this thing is impossibly <laughs> small. And look how it disappears yeah. into my gargantuan 90s jeans pocket. Like Jinko what, jeans. Yes, yeah. yes. My yeah. boot cut jeans, my Levi's red tabs and just like completely disappears here. The pocket's all stretched out because you're jamming a CD player or whatever yes. into it. Yes, well, that's the thing is like, I don't even know if they were, they, they were, they were just designed enormous. And so mm-hmm. we were used to just, you know, sque- you were used to squeezing a, a brick Game Boy into your pocket and then the the uh, sorry the brick one and then a game boy pocket comes out and it's light it's thin it's just it's streamlined it looks so sweet and that is probably one of the ones that's my that's my favorite even more than even more than the color which should be like technologically and for a bunch of other reasons i think the, the game boy color should be there but the pocket was just like how is this possible like this <laughs> this is amazing yeah so i like that that Man, factor. I, I never got. I I don't think I've ever owned a Game Boy Pocket ever oh, in my life. So good, but but that would have been perfect. You're right to to throw that out there like a new mini console. Yeah, 
Yeah, totally. That would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. It's sitting right there. That's just one of those weird Nintendo things. It's like sitting right there. Why don't you guys take it, man? I know. It's just, the, I mean, <laughs> it, it's the added expense of the screen. You, you, right. They, they sold these NES and Super Nintendo uh, mini editions just like at a thousand percent markup. They, they, every, sure, every sure. dollar we spent on those things, they, they made back, <laughs> you know, there's but like, they're doing, but they're doing these little game and watch, you know, I consoles. Know. it's like, it's like, you know, well, what's that analog pocket? Like, I think that's what it's actually like. The analog pocket is very similar in its form factor. And I think that it's taken the namesake from game boy pocket, I think. And right. that's why like that. And that is probably the most alluring thing to that thing is actually the, the form factor more than it's even, even its functionality to me is just it's reminiscent of that game boy pocket I, i'm just gonna talk myself into like finding one on ebay or something here i find myself <laughs> oh, a game boy that. pocket man. i'm sure i'm sure it's ridiculously priced now nintendo's uh, that that collector's market's insane we're gonna find point. out we're gonna find out <laughs> sean's on ebay right now 124 dollars oh, canadian for a block oh this is in pretty rough shape okay no, that's, uh, oh, we'll, i was gonna we'll, say we'll find out if that was in decent shape, that actually, I'm like, all right, you know, that's, oh, look that's at this. better Good than condition, I thought $50, 13 watchers. I don't mean to derail. We'll, we'll figure something out. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm Sean's about it. to make a purchase here live on the oh, air. Oh my gosh. Uh, gorgeous. What a gorgeous system. <laughs> I love, I do love the form factor of it. And, um, for, you know, for me too, like I, you know, I was a Game Boy Color kid. I got that Game Boy Color, uh, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP, as you mentioned, was huge. Yeah. Um, that that's another thing too. I think that was kind of the, I think that was the genesis of Nintendo and their sort of like iterative strategy because you didn't see NES and SNES getting a million different versions no. and a million different like a, di- a million different like cracks at the ball. You know, like Game Boy did, and then DS and 3DS and yeah, and now Switch. I guess you know. But even within DS, like it was. It's it's the strategy has been there from the eight from eight night what 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 year did we say this thing came out eighty seven eighty eight eighty nine eighty nine so like basically from then on out we we could see what Nintendo was going to be doing forever especially in a handheld right. kind of format where you yeah you went from basic plain Jane gray brick to you got your colors you went to I think the next stage was maybe going from solid colors to transparent colors and then you got your pocket you got your color you got your advances you just kind of like rolled out they did that with the DS as well. And with the DSi and all the XLs and everything like that. So that was, it just worked. And they were able to sell multiple consoles to the same person. Like how many of us, I've I've got, I don't know how many 3DSs behind me right now. It's just like absolutely stupid because they were attached to IP that I really liked. And the designs of them were apparently good enough for me to buy them. But I do think with the, the Game Boy, the magic was in perfect, like, compatibility they never they never really changed any chipsets or anything whether you had a brick one or or a pocket um you could play those games and even when they went over to the to the advance or the sp you could still even if it was unwieldy and it looked stupid you could still shove a game original game boy cartridge in the back of an sp uh, advanced sp and it's like that was brilliant and you'd love to see it they just they'll never do that ever again they mix things up when they went to um well, really, any cartridge. Every every cartridge was different. I was about to say, yeah. You know, the the closest thing they ever had. They almost had it. They had Wii and Wii U, and the GameCube in there as well would work on the on the Wii. But um, this is what I worry about with the Switch: is they need to maintain that same cartridge form factor. You still need to be able to play those old games if they if they have more advanced versions of it. That's cool, and I understand that some of those would only work on the new stuff, just like Game Boy Advance games. You couldn't play those on the brick game boy but you could bring the old games forward i would i really really hope that's going to be the case for uh for switch in the future as well 
dude, I, I've never thought about this until you just said that, that if they, whenever they do, you know, switch to yeah. switch pro, you know, we don't talk about switch pro no. here on all end, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe they'll literally change the form factor of the cartridge, just like they did with game boy advance so that there's no, there's no way somebody's going to accidentally buy one and put it in their old switch or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a good point. Actually. Yeah. They could have little like wings on the side or it's shorter or just a little, t- like, yeah. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but yeah. Like how do you make it so that the old ones fit in the new hardware, but not the other way around? It is a, it's a physical kind of form factor for sure. Yeah, dude. I, I've, I've literally, I've been doing Nintendo content for like two years now. I've never thought go. about I, that. Well, ever my my job here is done. Wow, Thanks man. for having me on. I'll uh, <laughs> see you next time, I guess. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. So, um, man, I, I do. I think there is a through line throughout Nintendo history that started with the Game Boy and we're still seeing that mentality um, today, man. And um, also, we can't end the the conversation about the Game Boy without kind of talking. We talked about this a little bit, but I want to ask you, Sean, is there any, like, in-the-weeds Game Boy game, if and when, I mean, it's really a matter of when rather than if now, but when there is a Game Boy app on NSO, like, what's the the in-the-weeds, like, weird Game Boy game that nobody else knows but you really want to see? I don't know if I, I honestly don't know if I have one, like, deep cut like that like i feel it's i especially back then i i have just the big stuff i had the mario lands the donkey kongs the the kirby's those kind of things i'm i'm racking my brain i don't think that i have anything kind of like anything really deep cut i wish that i like make like was there a clay fighter game i don't know man (laughs) are you a clay fighter fan i'm a a clay fighter it's so dumb you know i'm not going to stand beside it and go like this is the greatest game ever but it was silly enough and i was a huge fan of of claymation that kind of animation back in the day um but i am i'm I'm struggling to remember any any weird game the one the one that i have just in on nintendo platforms in general is on super nintendo called un squadron nobody knows about this game that's my deep cut i've heard you talk about about this yes this is my this is my my claim to fame but on on game boy i don't know like i i had tetris i had all the all the usual stuff um but that's the stuff that has to come. Well, right? you were talking about the creator of Game Boy, and I thought you were talking about a deep cut of a game. I'm like, I, I embarrass myself <laughs> deeply on that. So, <laughs> like, not, yeah, that that great game, Gunpei Yokoi. Yeah, I'm like, no. Um, so, uh, for me, and this is one, this is one that's near and dear to my heart. I wanted to keep Nintendo weird episode. Have you ever played Mole Mania? No. Mole, oh my god, Mole Mania is so good. That's that's the one that I'm like, if they end up doing a Game Boy NSO, please bring Mania over. That game is so much fun. Oh, I love it. It's just it. like a little, it's just like a little kind of puzzle game where you, where you play as this like cutesy mole character. But, um, man, it's, it's a great game. They have it on 3DS on the 3DS eShop, which is it's days are well, numbered, but, um, but you know, that's on there. Um, so shout out to Mania. Um, I think that in the grand scheme of things, I think that something like Donkey Kong land, I know that's like a big one, but, that's kind of a weird little game. Like that's kind of like a like that's not a foregone conclusion. Oh, you, know, you don't like think if so? They were to do no, I don't. I well, for me anyway. Like when I look at you know when they when they're approaching a Game Boy app, you're gonna get yeah. the Metroid Two, the Mario, 
You know, you're going to get Kirby on there. You're going to get Zelda on there. I, I do think that Donkey Kong Land is not like a foregone conclusion, but I hope it is. Oh, man. Yeah, because it's so game. central to my experience with it. So maybe I'm a little bit biased on that. But like maybe maybe the way I answer this is like the games I never really got to. Like I would like to see some of those Final Fantasy games coming on there. And of course, Pokemon's got to be there. That's not it's not like a deep cut kind of thing. Sure. But one yeah. of the weirdest things it's maybe even worth kind of sliding here at the end is just the one of the weirdest things about Game Boy was you would have a game come out for like Nintendo, like the NES or the Super Nintendo, and then you'd have a Game Boy version of it. And in most cases, right. it was like a completely different game. It wasn't even just a scaled down version. It was just totally different. But like, how many people know that there was a Street Fighter 2 game on Game Boy? Like that was a legitimate right. thing. There was like, and and for the most part, you take most of those games. Um, I think there was even like a wrestling game. There's even WWF games that you you'd get on Game Boy. They would just be like this weird, trunked down version of it. And um, maybe maybe some of those, but yeah, like me, Mortal Kombat. There was a Mortal Kombat game on Game Boy. It's totally yeah. weird. So. Yeah, I don't just know. This weird junk. I hope that that's what I really love about the NSO apps, though, is we can get yeah. like these drops of just like games that are not foregone conclusion. I know everybody like whines when you know Jelly Boy or whatever is added to the Super Nintendo app, and they're like, "Where the hell is Chrono Trigger?" You know, <laughs> I'm like, I, <laughs> exactly. I love those games too, but I would have never you know played all this weird crap on on NSO if they had not just added it. Yeah, so that's. That's what I'm really hoping for. If they end up going into these libraries, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, drop some of this weird stuff on there, man, and and really kind of just embrace the entire library. It's like the 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 Office Space Quill. I celebrate his entire catalog. Yeah, <laughs> you know, celebrate the entire catalog yeah. of, uh, of Game Boy. You're setting yourself up oh, for man. a more positive experience than the rest of us. If I'm like, I need my Mario Land two and Wario Land. Like, if I need like those key those marquee games, then I'll probably be sad in the end. No, you'll get you'll get those for sure, Sean. Yeah. Pokemon fans though, I mean, who knows? Who knows what they're going to do with Pokemon? I we we I you know, I know you missed the Pokemon boat. I I've said this before. I'm not going to belabor the Pokemon point because I mean, like I was like every kid back then. I was sniped. I say this all the time. I was sniped by Pokemon. Yeah, oh wow. Just absolutely. Um they, it was it was laser targeted. I've been a Pokemon fan since Pokemon existed. That's awesome. So um, so, I mean, Pokemon was obviously, huge. I was old enough to be aware that it was like, I see what you're doing here. Gotta catch right. them all was like, it was like, it's brainwashy. I remember it feeling like, <laughs> oh, right. Like that's kind of on the nose. You got to catch every single one of them. Like that's oh, right. Yeah. So you, I, you, you were old enough. You got away from the Island. I we were all it. stuck there. And you're like, I really yeah. do have to catch them all. Like the, the TV said it, like I got to do it, but. Yeah, you 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 missed the boat on that, but you're probably maybe you're better for it. I don't know. Yeah, you I don't you know, know so many hundreds of hours of my life that uh could have been spent better. Um, but anyway, Sean, thank you so much for coming out and chatting, Game Boy, dude. Thank you, what, Seth. What a blast. Yeah, dude. This is what oh, a blast. Man, talk apparently for about an hour about Game Boy. Who knew? I I yeah, I don't know. I looked up at the clock and I'm like, holy crap, we've really been just sitting here gushing about Game Boy. Um, Sean. If you would point people in your direction, I say this all the time. Whenever I, I, you know, I chat with people who are kind of in our circle, the the Venn diagram of people who listen to our stuff is yeah, probably a circle totally. at this point. But if there's anybody out there who doesn't like already follow you, follow Carpool Gaming, kind of point us to the socials. 
Where, where can they follow you? Yeah, I think probably the best way to follow is uh, on Twitter. I'm Sean Capri. It's Sean like Connery, Capri like the pants. We are Carpool Gaming on Twitter. Um, we are 80 subscribers away from 1,000 at youtube.com slash Carpool Gaming. So I would Holy actually- Holy crap, that's so close. I would really appreciate- yeah. That would be a big deal to me, actually. That, that, that'll be where I, I spotlight maybe this plug a little bit. It's youtube.com slash Carpool Gaming. It's not Nintendo related, but when we do hit 1,000, we, we've had um, a year's worth of Xbox Game Pass in our back pocket that we've been waiting for this moment so uh when we hit a thousand subscribers on youtube we'll give away a year away of xbox game pass and um then you can play banjo kazooie i guess is is come on man right there. that's yeah. it yeah. that's it I, you you all know how much i love banjo kazooie got my banjo there in the background i don't there know you, if you can see that shine mm-hmm. a little banjo of course yeah i um so look i mean that's that's how that's the best way to play it you got your rare replay yep there right. on game pass so yeah definitely guys go go so again you'll find links to all this stuff in the episode description go to the youtube sub to them over on youtube that is so close to a thousand man that's awesome yeah it's been that a while since awesome. I've, been, I've been excited about a milestone on on youtube to be honest with you it's like a hundred yes we got our url yes and we'll just <laughs> grind away for the rest of all time now so yeah thousands yes. kind of a cool thing for sure yeah dude so guys definitely support them follow them on twitter go sub to them on youtube um again thanks so much again ladies and gentlemen the great sean capri yay, yay. clap 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 clap, clap. <laughs> thanks dude <laughs> thank you dude this is like i'm i think i just i think this thing cost me about 150 bucks as i'm gonna go on to ebay and buy <laughs> <laughs> well i apologize in advance for that sean <laughs> you, you guys are nuts. Oh my God. But, but yes, make sure to go follow Sean and everything that he's doing over at Sean Capri at carpool gaming over on Twitter. Make sure to give them all the love and uh, all the love in the world. Again, man, it really killed me that I had to miss that, but it was, it was a really good concert. Actually, really I, good I do. It's funny you say that. I do have a message to relay from Sean because oh, really? he, he was like, he's like, man, you know, like hearing, hearing that Eric uh, was going, was missing this for a journey concert. I'm not a journey fan. I hate journey. So <laughs> he's like, they're so overplayed. I am not a journey fan. So make sure you relay that message it, to him. <laughs> he, you know, he's not wrong. They are overplayed. He's not wrong. But you know what? He's not wrong about that. It, it is what it but is. Yeah. <laughs> you had a good time. That's what mattered. <laughs> Love you, Sean. I'll make it up to you. I'll come on Carpool Gaming sometime soon. Let's book it. There you go. But. Uh, again, make sure to give him all the love in the world. Go follow him again at Sean Capri at Carpool Gaming over on Twitter. And once you do that, you know, give us a little bit of love too. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at All In Podcast, on Facebook at All In Podcast. Come join the conversation with us over on Discord. Talk about your love of the original Game Boy. What are your favorite games from the original Game Boy? Come discuss it with us over on Discord. Also, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash allinpodcast, that Seth just uploaded a brand new video detailing his first impressions of The Last Friend. Definitely check that out. Also have twitch.tv slash allinpodcast, which you are definitely going to want to keep your eye on in the near future as Seth heavily ramps up his streaming schedule in the near future. Also, we have a podcast. The central element of the All In brand, All In, a Nintendo podcast, which you can like and subscribe to over on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and so many, so many other 
services. Again, if we are not where you get your podcasts from, do please tell us and we will remedy that too sweet. Post haste even. And if you guys think we're doing a halfway decent job over here at All In, if you could, please, sir, would you please drop some words? Pretty please, sir. Some words. I need some more. Uh, <laughs> please, sir. I'd like some more. <laughs> I, I'd like some more words. Um, over on Podchaser, over on iTunes, and over on Audible, you can leave written reviews, written five-star reviews for us to let us know how much you love us. And uh, over on Spotify, you can rate us five stars. And if you do, at the beginning of the episode, I will shout you out and read your review on the show. And uh, it's super appreciated that that word of mouth, those five-star reviews mean more to us than you know. So so thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us each and every Saturday, guys. We love you all. Thank you for making us part of your weekly rotation. Namaste. But Seth, it's another big week coming up. We got Nintendo Switch Sports coming out mm-hmm. this next week. We're trying to plan a few things around that. Really excited for the release of that game here in a few days. Kirby's actual 30th anniversary. I was going to say, yeah, Kirby's actual anniversary coming next week. We've been ramping up for that all month long, and we finally are coming up on the anniversary day, the big 3-0 for the pink puffball. And uh, we got some plans, Eric. We got some plans. Celebrate. We absolutely do, and we are going to be talking about that all next week. But in addition to that, for episode 99, we are going to be announcing our giveaway for episode one. Hundred, So a ton of reasons to tune into All In, a Nintendo podcast next week. And guys, we will see you then. My name is Mario and Donkey Kong Eric's on the move. And I have been Seth Fantasy Reverie Series. We will see you guys next week. We love you very much. Bye. Bye. Electric guitar version. You really should. God, I hope God, I hope that exists somewhere. <laughs> I could probably record it. Anyway, I might just make that. Um. All right. <laughs> <laughs>